Hello. Welcome to the Grab the Solutions for Shit. Minus Crafty for the moment. Um, he's crafty and got himself double booked. So he should be popping in. Yeah, because he's, he's good at that. Uh, Apparently, he does know how to use a dictionary, a diary. Yeah, I, I still don't agree with that. At the problem, problem is, he just needs he needs to use one diary. That's the, where he goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, the, the paper one generally gets lost, and um, yeah, then it's all over. So I actually feel a little um, a little weird about this one because. We're not professional podcasters no. or YouTubers no. or, I mean, look, it's, it's, we've got such a quality production. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah but no. So in, <laughs> tonight we're talking to an actual professional. <laughs> so am I. It's fantastic. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, we are not something to aspire to <laughs> on a technical level at all, and I'm the technical one. <laughs> so That's Marcel funny. is a author, distiller, podcaster, uh, gin mastermind. Is that, I think that was your title, or you should title it uh, at Poor Tom's. Um, hi. Hi. Thank, thank you so much for a very, very warm welcome. And, uh, you know, in, in the absence, in, in terms of a toast to absent friends, I do have one of these. Oh, so he may not be here in spirit, but he's certainly here. In, sorry, not here in body, but he's certainly here in spirit. This is one of the IM2 secret door knock and handshake sort of Ooh. things that are there. So he is, he is a bit like Colgate. He does get in. <laughs> so how about a bit of a toast to our absent friend Crafty just for now? And I'm enjoying this right now so if everybody's got a glass out there in uh, out there in viewer land grab yourself a drink to crafty and may we see him in what half an hour or so so cheers <laughs> wonderful to be so here. cheers uh it's one hey look up uh, seriously I, I, i've been a, i've been accused of a number of things but it's fair to say that each and every one of those charges is in fact correct so i, I stand guilty <laughs> as charged I, did i miss anything did i miss anything no, not at all. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful, warm introduction and, and very generous to you. And it's wonderful to be here on the show. It, it really has been uh, been looking forward to this for quite some time. Pity the rock star wasn't here, but that's okay. I mean, you know, oh, the support he's, band he's here, the week is the rhythm's bleak. good. It's all happening. If, if there's any consolation, you've got the guys that actually do the work behind it. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering, like, are you a little bit offended that he's upset craft he's not here when you two are the ones that actually do everything? Well, look, he's, he's got the personality award. We don't have yeah, the personality okay. award. I, I nominated you. Thank you. No, not really. I, I nominated myself, and I didn't get very far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, but I, must, I reckon you must have gone pretty close, though. I mean, it would have been a, it would have been fairly touch and go. Because when you think about it, if you know, having having walked away with the accolade of you know personality of the year per se, you've got a mentor within your ranks, haven't you? And we think this through, so it would have yeah. been a pretty close thing. You know, Padawan today, Grandmaster the next time round. So I think uh, I think you guys are in good are in really good hands, and it's just a matter of. Uh, of when, not if, would be my would be my yeah. job. Yeah, so, hopefully we can uh, hopefully we can knock Bill Lark off his perch. Bill, <laughs> <laughs> second place. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
What do you mean other weird Tasmanian? What are you saying? All weird. I've only been I've been here in Tasmania for uh, how many hours now? Since nine a.m. this morning, it's twelve almost twelve hours, and yeah, it's been an experience. Mm. You, which part of Tasmania are you, are you two? Which part of Tasmania are you two gentlemen in? Uh, we're, we are currently at uh, John's Hobart Distillery, yeah. Hobart Hobart Whiskey. So we are in Hobart. Well, uh, you in, know, in greater Hobart. Hobart the, where is it? There it is. So that's. So it's probably a good segue to what is everyone drinking tonight? Yeah. Well, so Marcel, you've got the uh, the I am two. Did you try the I am? As well, do you, I, do you I have that. I, I have, and oh, I, I don't know. I don't know what he does, and I'm sure he'll be, you know, aching to tell us. And you guys are probably well aware of whatever whatever he does, <laughs> and the thing that he does, and 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 the art, the great art he produces. It's fabulous whiskey. It really is. It's yes. absolutely tremendous. Love the stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah, certainly um, yeah, in, in tribute to Crafty, I thought I'd crack open one of those as well. Though having said that, I've got a got a couple other tipples around the traps as well, so we can have a look at that too. I mean, what, nice. what a real crime though is the fact you haven't opened it until now. Like, if you weren't doing the stream, was that dram never going to be opened? Or no, it's actually <laughs> half empty. So I'd, I'd already tried it. Yeah. Half empty, right? We're, we're learning That's a lot right, now about Marcel. Half empty, yeah. not half full. It's only not half, half empty. Full. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Yeah, Let's yeah, get a little right, bit so. deep, a little bit early, you know. Nothing wrong with that, right? Indeed. So we are on all things Hobart. Well, not really. We, we, we have well, some... we, uh, actually, yes. We, 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 we might crack them open yeah. if we get to it. But really, I'm in the home of Hobart whiskey. So, of course, we're drinking Hobart whiskey. And we've got the, uh, the bourbon mature. I can't even see already. Uh, Mate, you've only had like seven drams. Only. Um, it's the all right. Bourbon so this... matured rum finished. That's an absolute cracker. We've had the signature nine with no label because no that's label. My, my own sample bottle. That one's really good. We had, we're not allowed to talk about that one though. Okay, that's... so that one's that's... also really good, but you don't can't know what it is. And then we've got these ones. We can't talk about them. And we'll either. talk about them later. <laughs> the really good and... ones. Know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got. Um, uh, I came bearing gifts because uh, I sort of. Imp- I'm I'm imposing on John to use his space. And his I thought you might bring me a T-shirt though. I was going to don like a shooting shit T-shirt. I'm I am going to get more T-shirts done. There are black only, though, please. There's please. only three in existence. Yeah, I'd like a black one. So we've got um, time and wages, which is uh, Todd's baby, oh, and <laughs> it means he's actually going to get paid. <laughs> Hence the reason why it's called Home and Wages, by the way. Yeah. yeah. And a couple of other miscellaneous ones are Crafty. Yeah, it's just nonsense, really, isn't it? No one cares about Crafty. He's not even here. So he doesn't get a sale. Okay. So what do you want, Todd? I'm trying to finish off my... Um, what was that going to show up? Well, it's bright. Cadrona. My beloved wife... Got it in duty free last time she was in New Zealand, sort of like 600 years ago when we were allowed there. I was going to say, that's a very, oh, goodness So, me. did you say you tried to finish that off? How much you got left? And how long oh, have you had it? Um, yeah. About three years. Yeah, it'd be at least three years you would have had that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Have, you, have, you, have you had a chance to actually go and visit Cardrona at any stage, 
Todd? It no, like, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a definite bucket list thing to go over there and, and actually do some, some, some Kiwi distilleries would be great. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of the places I want to head off to as well. You know, once, I, once I get back over there, but with the travel now open again, it just means that you know we can actually travel between um, uh, between the two countries again, which which is really really good. And looking forward I'm just to gonna, that. I'm going to float the idea now before I yeah. forget. Uh, New Zealand tour. Yeah. Uh, Marcel, yourself as guide, because yeah. Todd's going to be an Australian by then, so <laughs> uh, he'll be he'll be the foreigner. Uh, I think that'll be quite good. Uh, New Zealanders take on the uh, New Zealand spirit scene. That'd be wonderful. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll challenge accepted, my friend. And what I think we ought to do too, though, is make is make a bit of well, two couple of decisions we need to make as far as, as far as the tour is concerned. So I'm, I'm originally from the North Island, so that's my that's that's my patch as mm -hmm. such. Um, but I know enough people in the South Island, which is very much becoming whiskey country and and mm -hmm. um crafties probably have a few uh, a few anecdotes around wilson's distillery whatever they could probably share so it's just a case of determining you know if it's a whiskey type based kind of tour then it's a south island thing and then we need to think about the time of year so i don't know did, did any of you guys like to ski or anything like that i'm uh i've never really seen snow so i like the idea of skiing yeah i like the Deer of snow, and I'm horribly uncoordinated, so that's a solid no from me. I can barely <laughs> fucking walk most days. So. <laughs> well, what, 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 merely what that says to me is that there's, there's a terrific opportunity to, <laughs> you know, to, to really expand your skill base and have some fantastic whiskies and other products <laughs> in, the, in that part of the world. So, yeah, challenge accepted. I can my friends. what's going to happen. I'm going to hurt myself badly, and then I'll spend my entire time sitting at the bar. Like Our island, like the first night, I fell down a hill and broke my ankle. Granted, it was two a.m. in the morning, but <laughs> and um, you were already tried. I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there is no chance in hell I'm ever skiing. Like, I, yeah, that's mm. that's it's, how I would make the news. It literally is just sliding. Well, you say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, same that, yeah the, the same way that the luge is sliding. Yeah. And yeah, really fast. Yeah. Jamaicans can do that, so um, it can be too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. Uh, right. So tell me about why'd you write a book and then oh, write another one? So was this was this your first one, by the way? Or was it? Oh, it was. Oh, wonderful. That's that's very kind of you, Todd. Yeah, yeah. It's still magic. It was, it was actually the first book I published. So I had a few cracks at writing oh. books. And Everyone out there, if you want to learn, know anything about gin, this is a good one to start with. Just so you know, Marcel, Todd only went out today and bought that. He didn't have it before the stream, so. <laughs> Hang on. It's got his little doggy <laughs> and everything. That's <laughs> no, fantastic. I still have a made any gin, but at least I've got a book that tells me how to do it. Oh, and, and, and you, know, you know a bloke that's got the T-shirt and the book who might be able to help you, so, you know. Yeah, that, that's it. We look forward to that. <laughs> exactly right so yeah so 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 to your question what what actually prompted me to write it it was probably to a certain extent a well it started off with two things first of all it was a request and secondly it was a case of uh, yeah maybe someone ought to do it so when i was working with um with, with the poor tom's boys way back when i first started but so back in 2015 
uh, we're looking at this. And one of the questions that um, Jesse Kennedy and Griff Bloom actually asked me was, you know, all, all this general knowledge and stuff, is there, a, is there a book available for beginners, you know, who want to start selling how to make gin? And I went, and I thought for a moment, and I said, I don't think there is. Well, certainly not one written in English. There are a few written in German and Italian and Spanish, for example. So unless you're a linguist, uh, linguist that, that's a, that is a little bit difficult, probably beyond this, the, the reach of most people. <laughs> but also said, well, look, it's like this. If there isn't a book, I'll write the damn thing myself in a couple of years' time. And of course, you know, think, yeah, right, I see you write a book, which of course, you know, to someone double their age is all right, game on, I'll take up the challenge kind of thing. And so to a certain extent, it was that, that was part of it. It's actually a need that was that was highlighted to me because most of the gin literature that was out there at the time, and to a certain extent, it's still very much the case, was written by historians and cocktail makers and uh, bartenders, um, the odd actor, um, a chef, salespeople, marketing people. And I thought to myself, there's something missing <laughs> from this whole gin story. How about a book? written by a distiller to show people how to make and distill. Wouldn't that be a novel thing? <laughs> so, so I thought, Look, and, and I it think was, it might be an, it's a novel concept and it just might work. Just might work because, because you can probably say, see to me, it just, it just seemed absurd. <laughs> mm. Absolutely absurd. And I thought, well, look, if no one else is going to do it, I'll, I'll have a crack at it myself. And so that was, that was the original premise to, to meet this need. Um, then, then I actually fell quite sick in, in 2015 and, um, it was one of these, and I'd only just really started the, the relationship with the Paul Tom's boys and I was in there to help them make gin. And I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be a really dead loss situation to be in if after all of this, the, the things that I know about gin that I left this mortal coil and then no one knew how to make it. So I thought, that's not real good. So then I had this motivation. I thought, well, you know. So, um, yes, yeah, so I went through what's called short course chemotherapy for about a year. And then, mm -hmm. so it really did galvanize my determination to actually write a book um, for, for, for gin making, you know, written by a distiller. So that's really where it started. It started off as like a bit of a person need. Did you write it during, while you were doing the chemo or afterwards? No, afterwards. And and there's nothing there's nothing that focuses you more. Right in the book. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now that was after that. Um, and so I thought there's nothing focuses you more than to think, you know, that would just that would just really suck. Hmm. <laughs> so I thought no, this wouldn't be really good. And it's also part of a deal that um sort of a kind of like a, an unwritten gentleman's agreement. Uh, when I first learned how to make gin, which is back in 1987, and I, I had no idea that I was actually taught by you know, some of the, learned how to make gin by some of the best distillers um, in the country. This is back in New Zealand. And there's always been this whole notion of, of uh, heritage and legacy and, and passing skills on, and this whole idea of you know planting trees you'll never see grow, and that kind of thing, right? So you're looking towards the future. And so I hadn't fulfilled that. Right. It was just one of these things I had to do, and that became one of the one of the major other motivating factors to do that. And so I, I wrote this book, and really, in a lot of ways, it sort of captured a whole swag of different experiences that I'd had. But the overall premise was to produce a framework to show people that the art of making gin is within your grasp using everyday skills that most people can just put put to use. Or if they can't, they'll know someone who can. 
and that's that's really what started it. So it was really a whole swag of different things. And to my delight and surprise, it's proven to be a, a particularly popular popular book um, in some of the most unlikely places like Belize um, oh, wow. or Anguilla in the Caribbean um, and Iceland <laughs> and Norway. Who so how, how many offers of um, come and see our distillery have you had where they're going to pay for the, the flight around the world? Mm. I think yeah, that would I've I've had a few of those actually, um, which is which is delightful. So probably the probably the most. Um, it's always good to speak about the first time you, you presented with something like that, and that was back in 2019. So a gentleman who's now a very good friend of mine, as a consequence, he had uh, purchased my book, and he's he's probably one of the foremost gen, oh, gen, a general spirit scientist, a guy by the name of Dr. Gary Spedding, and he's absolutely tremendous. So he bought a copy of my book, uh, spent three hours reading it loved it he was actually curating a gin tuition course as part of his own business in kentucky and so i get this get this note from him he said oh there marcel love your book would you like to come to the united states and help me with my gin courses and of course you get a note like that and you think right eh? it's 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 grammatically correct it is all in english it's not mm -hmm. in capital letters. There's no mention of Nigeria or somebody passing away. Or wanting <laughs> yeah, to yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Like, this actually, this actually might be a genuine fair dinkum, good, good sort of. They so are few and far between as well. But I mean, it's concerning. You said 2019. You know, like that's about when the world went to shit. So <laughs> <laughs> you can't be certain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I wrote back. Did you go? Did you go? Yeah, so I wrote back and I said, oh, sounds interesting, tell me more. And I get this email like pages and pages long, really well. It was just amazing. So next thing I know, I'm booking flights to uh, to the United States to to teach bourbon makers how to make gin. Wow. And, okay. Uh, yeah, and it's I've had also well up until up until all the all the travel restrictions that we've had. Yeah, I've I've been very blessed. Is, is probably the best way to describe it. So to have those opportunities is really quite something. It's directly uh, related to the fact that I released the book uh, for other people to use. It's interesting. You don't can, can like, we don't... just jump in there, Lukey? Are you able to send uh, our auspicious leader the link? Apparently, he can join us now. Why He's got that link. I like sent that email days to ago. everyone. I yes, I can do and, that. And, and the rest of the people on the podcast have all used that link to get in there. But anyway, I digress. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, carry on. So, what's what's the American gin scene like? That's I find that really interesting. It's my association of spirits and the u.s is bourbon yeah like and why would bourbon makers when they're making such an amazing product want to make gin which yeah. is like a, a, a poor man's product right sorry i don't mean that i um i'm just i'm just a huge troll i don't know why they asked me to come on tonight really <laughs> that's what it was, it was a, <laughs> i think you actually say that in the forward of the book <laughs> as well um that it, it, it gin's one of those sort of bridging really? spirits of the the rich and the poor. Um, I don't know the full history. I haven't got. Have you read that the book? Aristocracy. Yes, I read the forward. Okay, right. Full disclosure, which is um, like three sentences, probably. No, it's actually a decent forward. Okay, there's quite yeah, a, there's okay. a bit in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, but, sorry. Yeah, I am. Um, 
but yeah, what's what's the American gin scene like? Do they have a a lot? I, it's not something I associate with America. Oh, and it's a it's a cracking question, and it's it's a perfectly legitimate question to pose as well because you're absolutely right. It's a country that's steeped in aged spirits. They've been making bourbon for well over two hundred years. They stumbled on the whole idea purely by accident. Uh, just shipping stuff up and down the Missouri River and what have you, and had to clean out barrels and put their spirit in there and hung around there for a few months. And this wonderful honey nectar would appear at the other end when they actually picked these things up. And so that's that's part of the history. And, and certainly with a place like Missouri, where um, you know where you've got the best the best species of Kirkus alba, which is uh, used for the staves that go into the barrels, which um, which is a huge industry um, mm. you know, produced by a company called National Stave over there, and they, all the barrels that get, get used for bourbon pretty much come out of Missouri, which is an interesting thing in itself. And as you're probably well aware, they get used once and then uh, they serve their apprenticeship in the US and then they finish it off when they go to Scotland. Um, yeah, and that's part of that, that whole barrel thing. But um, gin, it's very much a curiosity uh, in, in many, many ways. And one of the one of the challenges I actually pose to the, the people um, that I was actually teaching over this part of this course was could anyone describe a quintessentially United States gin? And they mm. all kind of looked at me thinking, and all I could think of was aviation. Right? And, and I get that. <laughs> aviation is, is a classic example of fantastic branding and marketing and, you know, terrific. Mine Reynolds can sell anything. I, I love how all you did was talk about the advertising and marketing, not the product. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not even good, made into it. Good, good <laughs> I do have a bottle. I do think that if I drink that more, I may look more like Ryan Reynolds. Is You're already working? halfway there. Is it working? You know, like finish it off. I'd say. So in, a, in a dark room, you look just like him. <laughs> it's yeah. right. Once once the stream's ended, we'll turn all the lights off anyway. So. Perfect. <laughs> and that's the Todd with his eyes closed too. See, so, he, so he, <laughs> but yeah. So no, seriously, it, it, it's a curiosity, which is why so many yeah. people are really interested in it. And mm. and it's this whole idea of, well, it seems to be easier to make than bourbon because because the aging isn't necessarily there. Although, as you're probably well aware, I mean, uh, aged gin is is, is uh, you know quite prevalent in different places around the world. Um. But yeah, it's really a, a, an alternative. But the, the thing that gets me, right? so there's craft, like we have here, and then there's craft, what they have in the United States. The scale of what they call craft over there is just staggering, absolutely staggering. Um, so when they make craft gin, it is in these huge stills, absolutely enormous. Um, and they make it, they make, oh, Lots. <laughs> it's just huge. Yeah, right. It's still very much curiosity. And a lot of people have a real thirst for, for knowledge uh, as far as gin is concerned in, in the United States. And um, yeah, look, part of the premise behind uh, Dr. Gary Spedding is to try and give people that opportunity to see how, how that's actually put together. So as myself from this part of the world, so I give people a, a down under perspective of what gin's about because a lot of Americans just associate gin as being a purely British thing. Well, it's not. Mm. It's a global thing. Um, so I take a lot of I take a lot of Australia and New Zealand's finest across with me um, when, whenever I go to visit. Um, another gentleman named Jamie Baxter. He comes from the United Kingdom. He's probably installed more distilleries on the planet than anybody else. And there's a 
few local experts within the United States as well. And we compiled this um, uh, this course, which this year will be two days of a beginner's type course and two days of advanced. Um, and we're finding that there's a lot more interest now um, as far as students are concerned in the United States. And I think it could be purely my, my view. I think it could be one of those next big things. It's like a bit of a sleeping giant over there, as are mm. RTDs. That's probably the next big thing that's going to go nuts mm. in the United States. And uh, yeah. look, and, that's a, and I think here as well. Um, it's take off here, here. Yeah, yeah. We we uh, we polished off quite a few of them over the weekend at oh, our uh, ready to drinks. Yeah, I, I yeah, understand yeah. what it stands for. Yeah, I'm just, curious just, I'm what sort of RTD. You. I'm just like, educating like, you because you're like you look you're like in a, the barrel. Yeah, yeah. A Smirnoff double black can sort of guy. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, give me give me a give me a cruiser. Any day. <laughs> like, oh, um, they come in magnums now. <laughs> what has happened in the world? <laughs> um, I have a question though. Like first, sure. my first thought was, you know, barrel aged gin in the states. It seems like a match made mm. in heaven. You're bringing all yeah. these botanicals and fruit and flavour in, and then getting the, you know, what I would consider one of the best products in the world, bourbon, into the gin. Um, and then second one is, what are they using for stills? Because I thought they'd all just have pot stills there, right? So are they just stilling their own product, or are they just buying a neutral spirit? And do they have reflux stills up there? Mm. I mean, I'm I'm probably just not educated about the states and how they operate, but do they do gin like we do gin? Not that we do gin, but, well, here we don't do gin like other people do gin. We, we've done yeah, it. It's, it's a great question. As you're probably aware, it does depend on the size of the operation and what the operation intends to sell, so it's allocated for that. But more often than not, they're like repurposed column stills, right, is what they'll use, yeah. and they're big. They're massive things. <laughs> they're absolutely huge. Um, and so because they've got a, um, there's one particular um, uh, very popular still maker over there called Vendome and Brass, um, which is located, I think, in Missouri. And they make these custom stills and they are huge. They're enormous pieces of kit. Um, and so, yeah, so often they'll start with repurposing existing stills and then they'll um, go to a place like Vendome and come up with a, a still design, which is uh, geared towards, geared towards uh, gin. Now, some of the advantages I've got in the United States, which you're probably well aware of, is uh, a far better excise rate than we have here. It's like one-tenth of what we pay here. Yeah. And um, the cost of materials and labour and equipment is um, makes these things very affordable, which also means that they can go with scale and also with a whole lot of their uh, automation and, and other monitoring systems that go with these things to keep them safe. So, um, so yeah, and it all starts off pretty much the same way as everyone does here, but they get big real quick. That's <laughs> probably the biggest so difference. Do you feel like they are investing? Like, I mean, it's probably a broad, broad question because I guess you've seen maybe a snippet of the states and their gin production. Um, but do you think they're going to invest in it as, as a country? Do you reckon they will put money into gin production? Like, I just, I still, it does my head in to think that, um, don't forget to hold the top. Yep. Um, it does my head in to think that America can make gin. Right, it just—I mean, what sort of botanicals are they going to use? Like what depression and like freedom? I don't know. Like, oh, look, I'm sure there's a healthy dose of freedom. In freedom that. gin, like that's got to be one of the first ones that hits the market, right? Freedom. So. <laughs> You'd think so. Look, it's no—it's it's no, probably no more uh, absurd a, a notion as you know, having a polar bear on a bottle of rum that comes from Australia. All um, right, okay, fair point. Okay, absurd. I will yeah, track my statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it's a but it's a, it's a 
it's a legitimate thing to ask because because it doesn't quite seem to fit the, uh, I, I guess, stereotypically what you'd expect a distiller to make in that country. Right. Yeah. Um, and but but you're absolutely right. There is a there is a definite move towards a level of investment, albeit modest in most cases. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but there are places of a certain size who are looking to diversify their their product portfolios. Um, yeah. as such. So one one example is um, uh, Old St. Pete's in, in Miami. So one of the um, one of the students that I um, that I taught back in 2019. So um, last name Clara Robbins. So she's she's a chief distiller there and has produced this fantastic um, uh, tropical gin, um, which which sort of echoes sense of place with Florida and the citrus fruits and what have you. Um, but they also produce rum because Florida being Florida is close to the Caribbean. So rum is a sort of product that makes sense in a part of the world. Um, but her example is one of many. There's another one, um, a distillery called Castle and Key in Frankfurt, and uh, uh, they, they produce amazing gin. That, that story is a remarkable story about a completely run-down distillery which used to produce bourbon, but now it got, it got repurposed and someone had some vision. Now they're producing all sorts of wonderful things. Um, and a lot of the lot of the craft spirits um, that kicked off in the United States um, – of all places, a lot of it kicked off in Austin, of all places, in Texas. And oh, really? uh, during, uh, around about the same time as the GFC. So a lot of areas were starting to repurpose and look at different ways to employ people and generate um, generate cash. And, of course, as, as you're oh, well aware, these are making Sorry, we've got someone going, acting like a monkey. Um, yeah. Going, yeah. Let me in, let me in, let me in. But I know it's strategic. So like, not Do we have to let him in, really? Uh, no, <laughs> now this, we can be diplomatic here or democratic. Yeah, we can kick him out. I mean, he didn't make the effort to turn up on time, for one. No. We're not, um, we, he, he can actually hear what we're saying. As well. I, I know. I realise so, that. Yeah, I'd yeah. say this to his face. Um, so, uh, Marcel, like, my, I've got a really simple next question. Like, what's your favourite gin? What do you look for in a gin? What style do you like? What What do you think doesn't work in a gin? Because that's often the question I talk to people about. Like, what What do you not want in a product, a gin product? Or we can talk about whiskey if you like, or rum or whiskey. whiskey we'll talk rum. about all of them. Yeah, okay. One thing at a time. Favourite gin first. Oh, there he is. Oh, yeah. Hi guys, it's uh, Craig no like Crafty from Craftworks Distillery here. I'm shooting the shit in Blacktown. <laughs> Live. <laughs> Live from the dumpster. What the what is sorry for disturbing you? I apologize immensely myself. <laughs> I, uh, crafty mate, it's good to see you dressed up for the occasion. He's even put on his favourite hat. That's outstanding, Crafty. Welcome. <laughs> Mate, I don't have any left. I don't have many of these left at all. Good to see you. Yes. No, we um, we had Nick and I had a, an event we did tonight for how many people? 100. About 100 people. And it was uh, gin and uh, whiskey night. So um, I represented Brown Spirits and Nick represented everything else. <laughs> so, Crafty, so, yeah. mate, you have drams? You have a few drams or tots during this event? None. 
No, this is this is this is natural crafty. Wow, no, man. you better catch this up. This is mate. Um, this is one hundred percent adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny we talked about that before the stream started. <laughs> we did, we did. Now, just to um, uh, tie things in a little bit, uh, so you're with uh, Nick there from Caro Distillery. Yes who was uh, episode one of series four. Yes, series. He's Very got good. series. series That's now. how fucking professional he is. He's got series of his podcast. <laughs> so what was I? Or have I not been on? I think and you've he, been on, John, a, a few times. I don't know about this, but I know like early. All right. Anyway, sorry, Marcel. I forget about them. They're not important. This is all about you. Congratulations on the book. Good to see you, buddy. And uh, love you. your work. All right. Uh, love your work, too. Good to see okay. you. Thank Thank you. you. So, so, Crafty, you're going to do the rest of the stream from the bin? Yeah, I'm going to do it from the bin. Oh, so, we're outside the Blacktown Workers Club. And um, I'm, I'm actually at Bow, Bowman Hall between the stairs and the dumpster. So, so um, now, now you know where to go to mug it. <laughs> As if he's got anything. <laughs> he's got I a actually nice said to Nick, I said to Nick, let's do it from the back of the U. <laughs> I tried that one once before and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to run out of batteries soon anyway. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Uh, go anyway. Now that you've completely destroyed our flow that we had, so carefully yeah. built. Yeah. I'll oh, shut up now. <laughs> okay, shut up. So here's, here's a question from um, from William in the audience. I don't know if that's come up yet. What about my question? Oh, we'll come back to you. All I right, think okay. it's actually uh, – no, we'll come back to you. Right, yeah. You're still here. Yeah. Uh, so a uh, question from William Rule. Uh, what do you believe is the biggest obstacle to the Australian gin market at present or in the near future? That's a, that's a cracking – question William and thank you so much for, for posing that question so from my view because I guess it's a question to everybody right um, to me it, the biggest obstacle is excise without a doubt and that's not just with gin I think that's for all craft spirits that's the thing that's that's the real challenge and it's it's um, particularly difficult for our eight spirits more so well it's difficult anyway but for eight spirits in particular because for every year that this, this beautiful elixir is sitting in a barrel it's subjected to two excise increases while it's for every year it's in there. So that by the time it actually exits the barrel at probably 60% of its original volume by the time you know, the angels are taking their bit and everything else, we then need to sort of find a way to recoup all of that investment. So I think that's one of the, one of the biggest obstacles as well. The other thing too with, with, with the excise the way it is, is the fact that um, unless... Well, it's denying us the opportunity to, to throw uh, to get uh, some really viable export some export quantities out as such. Because if we could, if we can do that, we've got a population of X amount, and it's not very many. There's a there there are cities in the on the planet that have more that have more people in them than Australia, right? Yeah. And so, consequently, what that means is that unless there's an export incentive for people to go beyond our own shores, it's a real handbrake. You know, the wine industry are a perfect example of an industry that has benefited from you know, excise relief and have now become a domestic and international powerhouse. And I think there's an opportunity there 
for all craft spirits. Yeah, so to me, it's for, for around gin specifically, it, excise is one thing and the level of investment we can put back into that, but that's probably that can apply to all craft spirits. And probably one of the biggest problems we've got at the moment is, is in supply chain. And that's around um, getting botanicals in, and, and in particular juniper, because there is no gin without juniper. So that's probably one of the biggest things, I think, at the moment. Um, it could be possibly alluding to the fact there are a lot of gins uh, on the market, or seemingly a lot of gins on the market. Um, and so what that means is it really puts the onus back on the producers to produce a great story and a great narrative that they can actually bring to bring to the market to encourage people to support the local brands, which I know, Craft, you're, you're pretty passionate about local brands, just, just as I am. And, um, yes, I think they're probably the three major things I'd, I'd suggest. What are your guys' thoughts? Have you got any other thoughts around that? I mean, I think I guess, I guess I'm quite lucky because from an excise point of view, as a very small gin producer, we don't do a lot of volume of gin here. Um, yeah. Excise for us right now is in a pretty good spot because of the reform that's happened recently where we, you know, it helps a small guy, right? And I think that will help people trying to enter the gin market because it sort yeah. of offsets that first chunk of excise they'll ever have to pay by instead of paying it and getting a rebate back 60%, you know, now you just don't have to pay it out, right? Mm -hmm. um, I completely forgot my, my second thing I was going to say. It was um, it's about supply chains, maybe export. Uh, um, well, supply chain I think is always going to be a problem in Australia, yeah. as we see in for, more, for more barrels are a problem. We're going to have problems getting the the juniper. Sure, we've got a heap of botanicals that we can use, and we've got. A thousand gins with a thousand right. different potentials. Uh, so that's right. Yeah, I, I, it was just it, like you said. It's about story and selling the product and making something unique. Because mm. I mean, I looked at the gin market six, seven years ago, and it was like you know, hypothetically or you know, realistically, maybe like twenty Tasmanian gins. And I was fucking crazy. The market can't support more than that. Um, and now there's hundreds, right? But. Um, as we touched on before the stream went live, my concept of gin was when I was much younger and I hated gin outright. But I realized then I was drinking shit gin, right? Like we all, we're young, we're in share houses and you buy whatever you can. You buy you the, the cheapest pub. possible thing yeah. with the like, aim to I, get I've drank nice. horribly embarrassing amounts of VB. Um, but, you know, that's how we learn. Uh, but what I have found is the gins being produced now are of that next level. Mm. Like they're bringing something different to the table. The the distillate, the, the initial distillate is better. The botanicals are better. The yep. the recipes are better. Um, but the truth is you can have the best product on the market, but if you can't reach your customers or any mm. customers or get it out there and tell your story and tell people what you're doing, it's absolutely worth yeah, it. Yeah, you're not going to sell a thing. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I agree, um, and, and I'll give you my take on, on gin. So, um, you know, we have one gin right now, and look, if it wasn't for Nick and Ellie, we wouldn't have it, that gin. Um, yeah. you know, working with Nick and Ellie, developing the gin, and actually still making it on the, there still until the Craftworks column still arrives soon, hopefully. Um, but we're on the fringe of gin. We only make enough. To support our markets, our cellar doors, um, very small bottle sales, and that it's not a mainstream item for us. To me, if we turned it into a mainstream item for us, it would create massive problems because gin is is a big equation. You've got to be able to back it up with volume, um, and you've got to gear up to do that. And for Ooh. us, that would subtract from from whiskey. And you know, number one, we're we're whiskey makers. But I'll tell you what: once we get our little um, 
360-litre column still, hot column. I cannot wait to start playing around with barley and playing around with gin from a uh, whiskey-making standpoint. I reckon it's going to be fun, Marcel. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I can't wait to see the barrel-aged gin from Crafty. It's like, mm. I am gin. <laughs> and then it'll be, I am gin too. Earlier on, we talked about um, you being invited to different distilleries around the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you want to laugh... Come and come and come and visit us at the shed. Oh, Marcel's got a standing invite. He knows that. He knows that. Oh, it, it's, it's, it'll be a good laugh. No, I'd, I'd welcome that opportunity. Absolutely, and you're right. And thank you, Crafty. I just haven't taken you up on that, but yeah, I appreciate the fact that we open invites there. So yeah, I reckon, I'll forget about them. Come to Hobart. I'll show you around. We'll do a day. I'll go to Hobart as well. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting the tour around Hobart. I'm getting the distinct impression that it's, it's going to be the John and Luke um, podcast. I, I, I see a breakaway here forming. <laughs> He's on to us. Like, this is actually why, why Luke's in Hobart. We're trialling this thing. We had to feel it out. I think it works. Yeah, I know. We, we have the, the energy and the chemistry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just don't have it, right? We, we, look, we have already oh. had half a dozen different... Uh, drams that may be contributing to it, uh, just a just a fraction. No, mate, this is me all the time. Okay. I basically this is me rolling all the time. So <laughs> nothing changes. You guys so, can be brothers. <laughs> brother from another mother. Except I'm a ranger and well, look, there's, 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 there's one in every family. Right. <laughs> hey, I, I just like a comment. Hang on, I got the right, the talk. Uh, Marcel, do you remember yes. Wilson's whiskey? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Now, in my late teens, early 20s, I went away on a camp. And uh, it was a summer camp with some mates. And we just had a fantastic time. And I consumed way, way, way too much Wilson's whiskey. And I, I remember, I can't, it was somewhere up north, uh, Further than Wangarei, I think. Um, anyway, so I consumed a huge amount of whiskey. And I remember, the only thing I remember is running down sand dunes, falling flat on my ass, giggling, and then climbing up the mountain, climbing up the sand dune and doing it again and again and again, right? <laughs> Next day, I had Wilson's whiskey and I couldn't, I couldn't get near it. I got the glass like that far away and I was like, no, no. So oh, wow. that turned me off whiskey completely right come to present day the new zealand whiskey company has just released a 21 year old wilson's whiskey wow Where did wow they find that? well uh great ramsey bought a lot of stock early in the days when, when uh, it ceased and uh, it's been maturing it so i've got this bottle so i'm intrigued i'm either going to open this 21 year old new zealand whiskey Bring it up to my nose and go. Ooh, ooh, no, it's you have it there now, like right now. No, I don't. I wish they did. I would love to do it live. What are, but, what are you drinking in your dumpster? Nothing. Nothing. I got, I got nothing. Nothing here at all. I'm 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 dry. There's There's probably some rules for about him drinking in the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right if it's in a brown paper bag. Right? Yeah, that's, that's, it. It. that's it. That's it. 
situation. <laughs> it, it's um, yeah, this twenty-one-year-old. When I get it, I'll, I'll actually drink it on shooting the shit because I'll either just not been able to stomach it because of the memories, or <laughs> it'll go, "Wow, this is actually a really good whiskey." Well, I think you should distribute samples to to me anyway, yep. and uh, I'll join you on yeah. shooting the shit. Yeah, 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 that can be arranged, yeah. or yeah. or the or the John and Luke show. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get back onto Marcel. He's our guest. Right, yes, I know, yeah. I know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, Marcel, um, can I? I want to ask a question. Um, sure. So, one of the things about gin is gin distillers, they go, it's, you know, oh, we're using local botanicals, right? And yeah. everyone's using local botanicals. So, as a story, it gets so a little just bit... out there, this is what makes throw Todd under the bus so bloody hard because he keeps pinching all my questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shouldn't email it to me. <laughs> to, to be fair, Todd, you um you had like half hour before Crafty got on, right? And you possibly could have asked some of these questions. Yeah. I've got I've got I've got to save things up my sleeves for. So I will continue my, my statement and question. Carry on. So the, the, the line of you know, it, we're using local botanicals is not enough. Yeah. You need you need other 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 things in your in your tool bag. So from what you're seeing in the gin world and the and the development of the gin world of Australia, what what do you without naming names, who do you no without naming names, <laughs> what <laughs> What are some of the things that, that impress you on people that are trying to promote things differently and, and tell their story? Oh, that's, that's a great question. I think in, in a lot of ways, what's wonderful about Australia and this whole notion of local botanicals, right, and, and yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying, is that the regional differences are really amazing you know, across the country. So the sorts of things you can pick up in Queensland, Victoria, South Australia and WA uh, have a sense of uniqueness and you know, that's that's in, you get that in spades when you go to Tasmania, just with the the rugged terrain and what have you. So so there is that sense of place associated with them as well. The other part of that narrative that you were speaking about um, as well is the fact that there is a there are definite advantages and disadvantages if your facility is in a rural district as opposed to an urban district. Yeah. So what that means is that the whole notion in, in a rural district of um, say grain to glass, farm to glass, and what have you. Um, is, is an absolute advantage that people in the urban districts just can't grab hold of. So the only other thing they can really grab hold of as part of their narrative is a message of uh, carbon footprint, sustainability, recyclability, all those other elements associated with the production process as opposed to the, the botanical sourcing. And there are a number of, number of pretty savvy organizations who recognize that and are starting to work that in. I make mention of a, of a few of those actually in Gin Ventures. And there's one particular, particular example in Tasmania that I do mention um, in there as well in that book. Um, and there are a few that, that are doing that particularly well. I think too, though, is that in terms of the narrative around the botanicals, um, the notion of sustainability is becoming more and more important. It's almost like a ticket to the game now. Um, to actually have that point of difference yeah. and um, and a number of different places starting to do that. Unfortunately, there was one uh, one particular example, which I don't know if, you're, if everyone's familiar with, um, where a producer um, in WA 
um, inadvertently uh, forage for some botanicals with without requisite permission to do so, which is you know, obviously a um, uh, it, it, it's an it's an it's an error and it's an innocent error as such, but it did create um, some uh, some ramifications as far as that was concerned. So there is a bit of a balance. There is a, a balance between that narrative around the around the native botanicals, but now there's a, another dimension around this whole sustainability part, which is why um, indigenous peoples um, around the world have a really close connection to, to what's actually um, associated with the land. Um, but yeah, there, there are there are a few that, that are doing that that very well, and a few of these standouts just recently, and one in particular is one a um, is one gold at IWSC this week. A um, small operation in New South Wales. It's been through all sorts of all sorts of uh, challenges. And I, I mentioned those, uh, that operation engine ventures as well. So there's a few there's a few engine ventures without without naming any names right here. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I, I appreciate the question because it, it's an important one to pose. I think. And, so uh, you mentioned this earlier we're talking, and you're like glass half empty, right? So let's let's go like negative, like. What's the worst botanical someone can put in gin? The worst botanical? Oh, worst, worst ingredient. Like, there's got to be something. Like, what is it? In your opinion, it's all subjective, right? Everyone's got a different idea. Like, I don't like pumpkin, so I'm not going to make a pumpkin <laughs> gin. But, um, but, you know, there's got to be something. And what do you think is universally the worst thing people put in gin that they shouldn't? Apart from juniper, because I hate juniper too. So. <laughs> The worst botanical. What Eucalyptus a you, you started this earlier when you said the bottle was half empty. I was like, this guy knows deep and dark and negative questions. So you brought us here. Well, you well, just well not exactly. And I'll, and I'll explain why. And Crafty will get this because this is kind of the, the, this is sort of like a Kiwi mentality thing, right? So when you've got a bottle, right, you do empty it, right? So when, when half of it's out, it means half of it's been empty. Yeah, that's a Kiwi thing. To be honest, <laughs> I reckon I've any of the Kiwis on this stream under the table. <laughs> so that's why I said uh, I've, I've, I've half emptied it. <laughs> okay, all right, okay, okay, okay. Right. There, there is a logic there. There is okay. a Kiwi logic. I know. There. I'm disappointed because Kiwi I want logic. to be angry. I just I feel like I need to be angry. All however, right. however, what do you think is the even to expand out? And, and this was probably going to be one of Todd's uh, throwing under the bus <laughs> questions, which he did a little, what the fuck are you saying? What's Where's... the weirdest, the Ooh, weirdest or weirdest. the worst? Right. We've covered weirdest, weirdest, worst botanical ever. Hands down there is one. Weirdest, worst botanical ever. Frankincense. Ooh. Frankincense? Yeah. Wow. Absolutely banana. And the number of people who have a crack with frankincense yeah. is astounding. It is the most awful thing. Here's the thing: people get people get tempted by the aroma. It's actually quite a, quite a pungent. But you try chucking that in a still, and it will gum up your still forever. And you, you are flat out trying to get rid of the stuff. It is awful, absolutely awful. I reckon our original distiller here wanted to go and get abalone to do abalone blood gin. Oh God! We tried it. It wasn't great. It was like salty gin. Which maybe is some people's cup of tea, right? But yeah, anyway. Oh God, no, that doesn't yeah, sound good at all. You actually raise a really good point. It's probably, um, I don't know, maybe a bit old-fashioned, and I'm, I'm look, and I'm, I'm happy to be that. But see, <laughs> when we when we're using um, when we're using ingredients which aren't 
of a return of an agricultural origin. Um, we need to, we just need to be really careful about how we treat those sorts of things without getting caught That's up right. in the novelty of doing so, right? Absolutely. Um, That's yeah, Jurian. Think of that. <laughs> so, that's one I'm definitely not going to try. Oh no, truffle olive oil is a big thing, right? Yeah, so, yeah. truffle salt, truffle everything. But they do truffle gin, do they? Truffle gin, yes. yes. There's two truffle oh, gin. Quite a no, it's, um, okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I haven't got a view on abalone stuff. Or I wanted like to do a Bunning sausage gin. I mean, that could be interesting. You can tell I'm not a gin person, right? Because I have all these stupid ideas. So, well, look, there, there, there is a market for the weird and wonderful. And, and, and as Marcel said, there's a novelty, I guess. Yeah, yeah, there, there's a novelty. Archie Rose did Archie Might. I vaguely remember that. Which wasn't a gin, no. It was a, a Vegemite spirit. And yeah, there's a market for the yeah, weird and wonderful. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. I know this one producer that did this honey business. I, I can't remember who they were or what it was. But... <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I can I can I tell you guys a story about the honey? Uh, <laughs> it's not about your craft. You were talking to Marcel. No, 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 no. no. It's just it, it, so to me, yeast are like personalities. Yeah, right. Agreed. Absolutely. And, and when, you, when you when you think of it, g'day, buddy. I'm your security, eh? Okay, I'm just here doing a little podcast. It's all good. Get on the camera, Brian. Get on the show. Ask him if he's got any questions. I mean, anyway. to be fair, Crafty does look homeless, so <laughs> yeah, it's the best of times. Anyway, so um, so yeast oh. yeast have personalities, right? So yes. so for example, um, uh, you know, Saf Spirit M1. Distillers yeast, it's a soldier. It knows what it needs to do. It comes in, it does a good job, and then it goes away, right? Vike, Vike yeast, Norwegian farmhouse yeast, is a a Viking, right? It comes in hard. Rapes and pillages. It's all about rapes and pillages. It's all about raising everything to the ground, and then it's off, right? So with the honey spirit... We decided to do a little thing where instead of making mead, we wanted to make a honey wash. So I said, uh, talking to my mead mate, I said, well, he came up with the idea of Vike. And I said, well, let's ferment hot and hard and fast and use Vike yeast. So we used the Vike, expecting it to be a Viking. It was more like the the old guy that uh, plays the lute who's he's been around in the Vikings forever and doesn't do any fighting at all. It just, it, it just, yeah, just played its loot for two days and then complete. It's loot has only got one string too, by the way. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's broken. And it's been, a, honestly, it's been a comedy of errors. So, we, so you know, didn't do anything. So I was like, okay. So I thought I'd throw some M1 in. So M1 being the soldier, but it was the wrong war. It didn't know what to do. It just... It just... so, so, so I brought a knife to a gunfight. Is that what it did? <laughs> I see you played knifey spoony before. <laughs> oh, I tell you. So these are the challenges you have sometimes, and you know, in, in, in dabbling with different spirits and, and trying. Yeah, to... yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, and you know, it's why um, in, in still magic, I kind of set a framework, and it's it's 
it's it, it tries it, it's more descriptive than prescriptive right it says here's like you can play around in this kind of area and you'll you'll be pretty well right but really it's up to you what how you want to do the things that you want to do but yeah. but but you're absolutely right crafty but it's not until people do that takes some innovative sort of thinking along the lines that you just described that you know you can start looking at a lot of these things and seriously a lot of it's trial and error right a lot of it, to be fair, having said that, though, is, is educated troll and error. So, you know, for example, you need the sugary thing to throw the yeast at it and you start doing all this weird stuff at it at the right temperature. Yep. So you know enough about that. And then you just get a result that isn't necessarily what you expected, but you would have learnt from it to work out what have another crack. So that's what it's all about. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this Good Whoa. I've used bike for agave for shits and giggles, sitting in low wines at the moment. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So have we done the uh, throw Todd under the bus yet? This whole no. episode has been to- throw Todd under the bus, but knock yourself out. <laughs> Since everyone tonight is now, it's time for throw the Todd, the Todd under, under the, the bus. bus. <laughs> I love it. Anyway. <laughs> and Todd, go. Okay. So firstly, we're one day early, but happy birthday, Crafty. Oh, hey. <laughs> can I sing can I sing you can I sing you uh, uh, may I sing you happy birthday in Maori in Te Reo Maori? Is that Please right? Do. Yeah, go for it. Righto. Hari hudi to kia kwe. Hari hudi to kia crafty. Hari huri to kia kwe. There you go, Crafty. Happy birthday, brother. Oh, Cheers, mate. That took me back to my childhood a little bit, really. <laughs> mate, wow. it's, it's one of those things, Crafty. Yeah, what Real do you voice. give the man that has everything? All I can give you is a, is a waiata. That's all I can give you. <laughs> mate, I, I just appreciate <laughs> Next year. All right, Todd. You're under the bus. What do you do? Okay, so what's the single biggest mistake you've seen people make as they as they're starting their distilleries? Wow, single biggest mistake. That's There's a, a multitude, isn't there? Wow, when you start, you make lots of mistakes. <sighs> single biggest mistake. You could probably, probably distillery, but apart from that, um, I think there's I think there's a really big mistake that people starting a distillery make, and it's before they start it. It says, "How hard can it be?" Yeah, and they go in with a sense of naivety around. You know, I was just I went to a distillery and I saw this and that, and and then what happens is that they find themselves getting into this loop of trial by error. Right, <laughs> and, and 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 it kills you. Yeah. Um, so just harking back to that, one of the I think even before people started distillery is that, um, I think I, I think people underestimate the cost of learning for free. And the reason I say that is because Ooh. often when people sort of delve, dabble and delve into this whole idea of a distillery, they'll watch a few YouTube videos now and again or they'll do a big binge on YouTube or whatever it is, or whatever the source happens to be. And unless you actually put a price on your time, you don't actually realize how costly that is. 
if it's unstructured because that's great doing the video thing but what you need to do in my view is block out time in a calendar and commit to doing it at the same time every day four days on end for that period like like going to the gym you know half an hour bang as soon as you don't that's it stop go do, go do some other stuff as well and um so for hark back down again i think Long-winded way to get to the, to the answer, but I think the biggest single biggest mistake people do is a lack of research. It's probably the biggest thing because there's a lot more to this, a lot more to this many, <laughs> there's, there's many limbed beasts than most people actually recognize. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 that's that, probably. That research. What books would you recommend? Um, this may come as a surprise, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but what i would recommend actually isn't a book what i would recommend is subscribing every year the institute of brewing and distilling and get this every month yep. get that cost you about 150 pounds and this is absolute gold because it's up to date doesn't go out of date and it covers a whole welter of different areas in craft spirits and all spirits across every nation that makes the things every single development whatever they also have to, they also advertise with people who want to learn how to do things or have a, some kind of a, an internship at a distillery they'll they'll do that so a classic example is the reefton reefton distilling co in reefton in the south island of new zealand needed a distiller who had experience in whiskey so they advertised in that in that magazine, and now they've got a now they've got a master distiller from Scotland who emigrated to New Zealand specifically for that job because wow. it's COVID free and what a great place to go, right? Oh, and, but I mean, they live in New Zealand. I mean, who wants that? Well, <laughs> South Island, is South Island of New Zealand, That's really not it's worth it, is it? I mean, the West Coast of the South Island. <laughs> I, I guess yeah, uh, I guess every job has downsides, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So yeah, that's actually what I recommend. Not so much a book, but subscription to that. IBD's Brewer and Distiller International Magazine. IBD, I'll I'll add to, to what Marcel's saying. So I joined the IBD and did the certificate in, in distilling. Yep. And uh, it was one of the, the best things I did because it yep. gave me structure around my learning. Yeah. That's right. And it, 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 it makes you apply. So, so exactly what Marcel's saying there, you, you, you have to block out time and there's an exam at the end of it. So you got to, you got to swap. Well, you gotta swap. To that. It's going back to school. Todd, Todd's doing it right now. Oh, and, Good on you, Todd. Which is great I because. Know. I thought I'd better learn a little bit of technical stuff about what I'm trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the thing is, forever. You, you've, Todd's done it further on. Than when I did it, so I did it right at the start of my journey. So okay. Todd's already knows a lot of, of what's in the in the thing, but what it does is it gives you names in context. It's like ah, yeah. that's what that's called, that's and that's why that does that. I under, yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it, it's IBD. It, 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 absolutely right, and it, it means that you, you you learn the common language to the industry at a global at a global level of understanding right because everyone uses yeah. the same terms and so there's no misunderstandings ambiguity all that kind of stuff around how how all the various processes get pulled together and, and you're right craft it, it's 
the the um the general certificate in distilling is really well structured you know tip for young players if anyone's out there doing it you get a curriculum they only test you stuff that's in the curriculum so use the curriculum as your guide to all the things you need to learn right um they won't teach you they won't ask you about things that they haven't taught you at all and that that curriculum will tell you exactly what they're going to ask you so just just learn all that stuff how hard can it be right <laughs> well, that's right. I, I barely know what the curriculum is because I just basically wing it. That's that's my whole philosophy. You know, just roll with it. Make it till you make it. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, knowing that you you straddle the Tasman, you you've you know intimately the New Zealand market. You know intimately the Australian. Is it the right? You've you've straddle and intimate in one like sentence. So I'm just a little bit worried where you're going. Yeah, it's a very colourful metaphor. That might end up in my next book. Excellent. Oh, wait, hang on. This, what's the next book? Royalties. Royalties. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you're intimate with the, the Australian industry. You're intimate with the New Zealand industry, being a native, essentially native of both. The main difference between the two, other than a lot of sheep, is the ability to distill yeah. as a uh, unlicensed home distiller in New Zealand, yes. whereas we can't here in Australia. That's right. Do you think that impacts the end product of each nation? Or, like, do you see any differences there? Or That's a, that's, that's a, that's a cracking question. It's something I've actually given some thought to as well. So if it sounds like a bit of a scripted answer, my apologies. But it's something I did look at. Because I don't know. One of the, like a lot of things, there, there's, there's opportunities and risks associated with it. So the ability to, to legally operate any size still in New Zealand is a two-edged sword. It's fantastic that you can do it. So, and a lot of people do. The thing is, is that when they want to commercialize this thing, often the whole notion of scale is lost, right? So what happens is that as a consequence of you can go and pick yourself up a two liter whatever still, and then you can make some stuff and that, that's okay. And it's what essentially an extension of homebrewing to a certain extent. Mm. Where it gets a bit tricky, and this is where I think Australia's got a, a stolen a march really on New Zealand, despite the fact we've got access to distilling equipment legally over there. Um, is the fact that often people in Australia who choose to do distilling immediately start thinking about it as a business. Very few people start thinking about it as a hobby because to do it legally is a, well, it's not a pain. It's just part of the regulatory things you need to go through. Otherwise, you're doing it illegally. And so what that actually does to a certain extent is it forces people to think beyond trying to do something like a hobby. It forces them to start thinking, well, if it's going to take all that time and effort to get a two-liter still registered and, and get the permission to own the freaking thing, I might as well get a big one. <laughs> it's quite expensive as well, right? So they've got to make sure they can offset that cost of getting a license to produce yep. and then a license to sell. So yeah. you've got to look at it. Like you can't just mm. go and do a, a five-liter cask and then sell it off to your mates because yeah. well, it's, it's going to take a while. You would. You yeah. just wouldn't legally, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. right. So, so from that viewpoint, it's not so much a quality thing um, because the people that produce high quality gin at scale have mm. gone through the process of um, producing high quality um, products, right? So, um, and that's that's beyond 
what they actually start with because I've because I'm forced to do it. Like, oh shit! If I'm going to invest this amount of money, then I have to find a way to come up with something I can sell uh, on, on a repeat basis, as opposed to someone will buy one bottle once and never buy another one. And so it forces people to start looking at the enterprise from a business viewpoint. You know, around uh, okay, I've got all this money. How many do I need to sell? Oh shit! That means I need to make this amount. So for example, if it's ten thousand bottles a year, and all you can make is a hundred bottles a pop. That's 100 days worth of distilling, which if you're doing it part-time is every weekend for a year. Suddenly, yeah. it gets, oh, <laughs> that's a bit hard. That's all of watching a pot boil on a weekend. <laughs> that's exactly right. For a year. <laughs> yeah. That's what that looks like. Um, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's not a quantitative thing. It's more of a quantitative thing and around the economics of so doing it. And part of the rigour that's applied here, I think that's one of the um, unexpected benefits i think of actually doing that um mm. it, it applies a degree of rigor because when you go to the ATO, you need to you need a business plan to get your, get your matter your, your license to manufacture excisable goods which means you have to have a think about it <laughs> whereas if you're in new zealand you don't really have to think about that just get it for shits and giggles and make yeah. some stuff and have a great time doing think it. in the end Ooh. um i haven't read either of your books um do you cover any of this in your books or what do your books cover like is this something you go through like the economic process of distilling or is it more about like um making a bomb gin so the first book was really written for people um who would like to know how gin is made and to have a crack at it themselves without even needing a still but it actually gives you a framework to work out how to make gin and then it throws a challenge at you in chapter four. It says, if you've got gin that is the bomb, are you ready to commercialize, right? And so the second yeah. book, Gin Ventures, is... Does it, does it actually say that, or are you just taking the piss out of me? No, not I really. hope it's... <laughs> yeah. And so once you've got to that stage, if you want to commercialize your business, so the challenge I have in chapter four is so you've essentially got four options around being able to launch. And so if you're ready to launch and, and commercialize your ideas, then... Gin Ventures gives you the framework, all areas you need to consider um, to to launch a, to launch a uh, to launch a product. So it covers off. It's, it's actually in three parts. Covers off um, all, all your various business functions, but more specifically, it's actually targeted towards people who, by and large, when they choose distilling, are very practical people. By and large, they do things with their hands, um, and um, come from, well, it's not everybody, obviously, but. There is a part of it, um, part of the general starting point, but it gives people exposure to, to all the other things that they need to do. And so the way I break it up is into a set of cash drivers of which product is the least difficult. And I say the least difficult because it's not easy. It's just not as hard That's as branding, right, yeah. marketing and distribution, which yep. are the three, which are the three cash drivers that you need to think about. So I put that in there and then I show you a, um, a framework in which you, um, which you scope all of that out. It, it probably, <laughs> a lot of people find it fairly daunting. Oh, God almighty. But, you know, for a small investment, you can come up with some really good decisions about how you really want to go about it. And that's that's all part of it, really, is to give people a bit of a, a an easy an easy to understand reference guide about some of the uh, pitfalls of, of starting, a, starting a business. When you've started off with a bit of an interest and a bit of curiosity, yeah. and these are things you need to think about. And I mean, it can be one of those things where, I mean, first question is, 
where could people get this book? This is where you put the banner up with the like the, uh, the link to it. Um, I have a lot of mates that are like, oh, John, I want you to into your gin or whatever. And it's like, you know, what do I do? The first thing is like, well, you I, don't. You fucking don't, for one. Like, I know I put the link up to Magic Skill. I'm, I'm, I, I put the link up before to the... I know, but wouldn't you do it again now? Yeah, I'll do it now. We're talking about this book. We're fucked. This is your first not going to get off around, Luke. Sorry, you're saying. So, I did notice that it's an audio book. Oh, well. yeah. The, f- the first book is an audio book. Yeah. And interestingly enough, and I'm glad, I'm so glad I did it for, even though I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly rubbish narrator, but I'm so glad I did it. And I'll tell you why. The number of people who have dyslexia who want to be able to start a distillery. Is yeah. remarkable. I get these amazing heartfelt thank yous from people who say, "I don't have to read your book. I can listen to it, and I can get the down. I can get the downloadable PDF, and I can see the pictures, and I can put the stuff together. And it's awesome. I, it's something I hadn't actually considered at all at any stage. I mean, and, uh, a couple of points. For one, for New Zealander, your voice is not that shit. So well done. Uh, and two, <laughs> like. I think the other thing is there's a lot of people that walk and like cycle or whatever, and like an audio book is definitely or the way to go. Just don't do anything, and but they're busy. They have other like they're working at a still, and they want to learn more. Perfect. Absolutely, that's right. Like you know, like I don't. Know. So are you going to do an audio book for your second book? Yes, I am. Um, I'm just in the throes of sorting that out. Hence all the the fancy kit and whatever at the moment. So yeah, so um, yeah, so getting that all organised and. Um, yeah, it's, I'm trying to work out what's hard actually writing the thing or, or narrating it, and it's not much different. Even though the narration takes about eight hours, I think, but oh, it's wow. it's hard going. Well, I'm happy to narrate it. People have told me I've got the voice of an angel, so I'm here if you need, you know, well, like a little bit of an angel. I think would be the you've got, a, you've got a face for radio. I've yeah. been told that as well. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it. it's, a, it's a good thing you can get this in podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Podcast is cool. I want to. I want to change the direction. I want to ask a technical question. So, Marcel, if if um, asking technical questions. Nah, nah. I want to. I'm curious on this one. So, so if John and Luke, their podcast had enough money and they bought a still, and Todd. Saved his money and bought a still, and you had a still, and I had a still, and we had a, the identical still, and we were at the same uh, level above sea level, and we were using the same botanicals from the same supplier. Would we all make identical gins, or would there be differences? And if there's differences, what contributes to those differences? There, there would be differences, and yeah. I'll frame it. I'll frame it slightly differently. Yeah. If each and every one of us had the same car, and we had to go on the same trip from A to B, we'd all get there in different ways and have different wear and tear on the car getting there. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's a couple of couple of things in, in play there. Even stills made by the same manufacturer have nuanced differences between them. That's right. just that's just a function of the manufacturing side of things. Um. And as a consequence, they do perform slightly differently. Um, as soon as you have a human intervention, there will be differences in terms of how you will take your cuts and what have you. Um, but if it was fully automated, 
for example, which there are some stills that can do that for you. Um, even then, interesting enough, there may be some differences. But having said that, the differences may not be overly discernible um, you know, to, to an everyday punter that's actually going to pick up your product. But uh, my expectation is that there would, there would be differences, but they're going to be a function of just the way people treat the kit, how they treat the botanicals, how they... Because yeah. you'd have to also follow the same procedure and treat the botanicals themselves the same way. And, the, and, there's, very, and there's natural variation between the botanicals, even though essentially they're the same. Right? Just to ask you, eh? Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's yeah, so very stuff like uh, water quality. I guess assume we're all using the same water, air pressure, like how a vapor will recondense in a Walgan. condenser. We're, we're all using Walgan water from New South Wales just to make it. Yeah, sorry, can you Walgan. say that again? I didn't know why. Walgan. Well, then, so can you put it up on the screen so I can I, see it? Or No, I can't. I, <laughs> no, I can't. Wow. I'm glad I'm not a sponsor. <laughs> what, yes, yeah. And while you're doing that, so the next question, which oh, we follow on, is so how do you have, if you have that variability and you're using the same botanicals and you've got seasonality in your botanicals and that, and you're a batch producer of gin and you're – You've got a release, which is your signature release. How do you maintain a consistent flavor profile batch to batch? Now, I'll, I'll just add that. I mean, yes, you have a small batch and you can release them as a small batch and say each batch is different. I mean, that's pretty well what we do. But the larger producers, uh, the consumer is expecting to go to the shelf and doesn't matter what the batch is, it's tasting similar. So how, how do you do that? There's... there's there's a, a lot of art in that, is there not? Yeah, yeah, there is. I was really fortunate when I first learned about um, about the art of blending. Um, it was at a time when botanicals were, were fairly far more plentiful than they are now and easily supplied. So what would actually happen was that we would get a big, like a year supply with the botanicals. And with each distillation, there would be a degree of blending across those two to try and even out all those variations. And that's where the master distillers that um, that I was working with, that, that was just their that was just their talent. It was just awesome, absolutely amazing. Another way, so that that's that's one approach. Another way that I know is very very effective is to have, dist have distillates of each of the botanicals. And right. have those stored. And so what that means then is that you can actually, so what, what you end up with then is like, um, you know, like a, a, a vat of, vat of coriander, a vat of juniper, a vat of whatever the case may be, or could be drums because some of these botanicals have got some um, uh, different, different aroma and flavor thresholds. You, know, you can do that. And then you can volumetrically start blending a lot of the stuff. So when a new batch of botanical sets have come through, then you can do the same distillation. It goes back into your your master your master tank, if you like, and then the blending can be done using sensory across that. Um, that's a pretty sophisticated operation, but that's that's another way to do that. But I guess the the general the general premise behind your question is around how do you determine a degree of consistency yeah. when you've got natural variation as a consequence of climate and origin and supply and what have you. 
And the only way around that is to is to nail down a consistent production process so that you can use the art of blending, and you quite rightly put it as an art, to use sensory to actually balance out all those variations at scale. And so what that means then is that you end up with your signature product being slightly adjusted as you sort of go through um, go, go through each of your each of your production runs. But again, it comes down to um, comes down to your, your sensory ability to 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 make those discernments, and that yeah, that takes that takes a long time to get hold of. That's that's a general approach. And and in fairness, it's no different to how um, how uh, you know masters that look at age spirits actually consider each of the casks as well. So be it cognac or brandy or whiskey, it's the same. It's the same principle. Yeah. So, because you'll have variation in your in in the washes, as a consequence of how the yeast decided to behave on the sugary liquid, um, and um, there'll be variations in, in, in cask as well. Uh, so it's the same principle, but applied slightly differently. Yeah, absolutely. Art. No. I, I I have no idea how many hours I spent learning how to do that, <laughs> but it probably would have been thousands. <laughs> That's very so, no, great. Ten thousand hours makes you a. Doesn't that make you an expert? Ten thousand hours. I thought it was like ten. No, no, no. Ten hours. No. Okay. Marcel, what's your, what's your biggest regret in life? Biggest regret. Coming on the jo the John and Luke podcast, I think. <laughs> <laughs> biggest regret in life. You know what, Todd? I, 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 I'm sorry. You know, fellas, I. I I'll, I'll just take the top. Isn't this throwing Todd under the bus? So I'll just assume there's oh. a very <laughs> I'm going to get one or two questions in and then it gets taken off me again. So. <laughs> <laughs> After um, I've all my great questions. I mean, I, I imagine one of your biggest regrets is um, being New Zealander, right? No, sorry. I, I've got to stop slinging shit at New Zealanders because I probably know a few and they're going to like be really oh. angry at me. Um, no, I'm just curious. Like, if there are things in your life, especially when it comes to gin or alcohol, you could have like looked back and been like, oh, I could have done this differently. I wish I knew this here, like here where I learned this now. Like we, we've all been there. We've made shit whiskey. We've made shit distillate, you know, like it's a part of learning how to make whiskey, right? So um, do, you, do you have anything like that where you're like, oh, just if only I knew now, maybe through some form of book, um, you know, like back when I was starting, do you have any advice for people? Maybe that's a better question. People starting out, what can they do? We touched it earlier, didn't we? So, probably fine. Uh, suppose, suppose I think about, um, yeah, it's not so much a regret. It's like a one of these things where I wish I'd done that earlier. Yeah, so yeah it's not okay. Silly regret. Yeah, there we go. And one of those things is I wish I'd written my book earlier. No. <laughs> <laughs> What a cop out. <laughs> no, seriously, oh, and I'll tell you why. I'll, I'll tell you why, right? Is that the number of people who have said, where was this book years ago when I was struggling? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, well, I've, I've, wrote it, I've wrote it as fast as I could. <laughs> but see, it's a, that's, a, that's a bit of a paradox because if you'd written it earlier, maybe it wouldn't have had the content that it had when you wrote it, right? Yeah, so... Mm. As it's, it, it, it had to come at the time that it was ready. Yeah, right. I've had not had anywhere near enough drinks to be able to unravel this this concept. But um, 
You didn't uh, need it, Eddie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> now, a, I'd like to actually go back a little bit, if we can. We had a question oh. uh, back at uh, 930. <laughs> well, well, no, no. We, we did have... Uh, I'm pretty sure you put it up that Crafty kept talking from his dumpster, so... Probably. Maybe, yeah. So, how much has your chemistry background aided you on your journey? Oh, um, in, in short, without chemistry, the journey doesn't start for me specifically. Um, so, the reason I actually picked up my very so there's a lot there's a lot of weird things about me anyway. But probably one of the one of the stranger things for someone in the industry is to have learning how to distill as their first ever job. That's pretty weird, mm. right? Um, short of actually starting your own business and learning how to distill. Um, and that only came about because uh, because my analytical chemistry background and my ability to run all these fancy analytical machines that this business were looking to to branch into because everything had been done um, using sensory. So, so yeah, that helped. Um, and I had this natural curiosity as well around compounds, and I suddenly took a little bit like well, became a bit of an obsession actually, started looking at all sorts of different organic compounds because one of the things I learned was around organic synthesis, so making making weird things. At one stage I was looking looking at looking at tree extracts to do make various sort of pharmaceutical drugs and whatever. Um so there's always been that interest there. So that's that's for me, why journey it's been absolutely crucial because if I'd done if I if I had if I hadn't, then the three opportunities that turned up which were making explosives, making pharmaceuticals or making gin wouldn't have been on the table at all. So, um, I mean, sorry, and, sorry, sorry, just okay. I, I yeah. know we're talking about alcohol, but can you just backtrack a little bit to explosives? I know, yeah, right. Like, who wouldn't want to make explosives? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah well, most and alcohol just go together. I know. So well. it's like, I've actually got some down in the Bond store if you want to see some. I don't really. It's we'll all right. Talk. ATO, I'm like, I'm we'll joking. Talk later. In a voice, John. You done like what's your like? I guess alcohol, spirits, gin is a is a passion. Was it a passion before you went into this, or did you grow into this thing? Like, did you have that internal conversation where you're like, should I do this, this, or this, and, and weigh it up and be like, I take a punt on gin, or had you always loved alcohol and the concept of botanicals and putting a product together? What where did you land with that? Uh, that, that's a great question. And the short answer is no, I wasn't that terribly interested in alcohol at all. Um, You're right. Okay. As, as such. And and so, but, so that's the first part. But to the second part of your question, or the, the second part of your description, I had three options. I was incredible. I've been incredibly blessed, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> if only you could put them all together. Um, no, man, yeah, that's so, and so, so what drove you to pursue this this like life of alcohol, right? Like you had choices, and I mean, any any uh, any person in their right mind would chase explosives, right? Maybe not right mind. It's not the right word for that. But like people love blowing shit up. People love chemistry. People love like reactions. And you can get a much yeah, bigger yeah. reaction from an explosive than you can from a bottle of gin. So what drove you to pursue this alcohol? Yeah, it was actually pretty simple in the end. Um, 
So these three these three job offers came came across. Now pharmaceuticals, when you're an organic chemist, is a kind of a yeah now nah, most people do that kind of thing, right? That's most of my so mates do that. Experience. No one cares about like organic pharmaceuticals. That like. sort of thing. Explosives. Um, there's one of my mates that, that actually ended up um, work, working with explosives, but I, I sort of thought, well, that looks the same. So I, I choose life. <laughs> so yeah. that, that left gin, and. And in a lot of ways, what was crazy about gin is the fact, well, this particular job, it paid the least money. It yep. looked like the most fun. Yeah. I didn't know right. anyone else who knew how to make it, whereas I knew guys who knew how to make pharmaceuticals and explosives, and it was a five-minute yep. ride on the train. Can I, um, how, how long ago was this? 1987. 87. <laughs> oh, about 34 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, the big crash. So... so that's like I like the fact that um, I mean you've you've taken something that most people like back then, especially the gin industry hadn't boomed. So you took a punt on doing what now you do, right? And you love what you do. I assume you love what you do. I can I can sort of tell you love what you do from your face and your persona. Um, I, I can't help but imagine what life would have been like for you if you went down the explosive the explosive route, though. <laughs> would we be shooting a ship? With Marcel as the explosive, explosive I, I expert. <laughs> um, uh, props to you though. Like you sort of you seen an opportunity and you you grasped it and and as you said, it wasn't as much money, but it seemed fun. And yeah. honestly, gin could have taken a fucking huge nose dive. It could have like gin could be the next monster energy drink. You know, like <laughs> like monsters not a sponsor, are they? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not, not anymore. <laughs> um, you fucked the stand. Yeah. No, I'm genuinely curious as to how you got into it from a chemistry background. So sorry, I probably derailed the whole question and what's going no, on. Not, but... not, not, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So um, when I learned more about what the job actually entailed, um, it was working with compounds that I'd already done a little bit of work with anyway. Um, purely coincidentally, um, so looking at plants and plant extracts and what have you is part of organic chemistry, and so it was. It was kind of an extent. It seemed like an extension of what I was already doing, um, particularly around uh, a particular um, analytical technique called gas chromatography, which I, which I, I was um, quite adept at. But the difference was, it was just a lot easier. There wasn't any other weird things like to do. It was just like, oh, right, so it all goes into this big. That's a still, and you do stuff. You take samples off, and you, and you, and it was that. <laughs> I thought, oh, this, this, this is actually a bit of fun. This is quite awesome. <laughs> so I love the word actually because that implies that you think it's going to be real shit, but it's not bad, right? So people come so, here and like drink the whiskey and like, oh, it's actually not bad. I'm like you fucker. Uh, anyway, so what's next for you? What's what's beyond this from you? Like, where do you yeah, go from here? What's, what's your thoughts on rum? What? Oh, what? Uh, rum. Rum. Yeah, what are your thoughts on rum? All right. What's your so, thoughts on rum and the rum renaissance and what's happening in the rum space? Rum. Oh, rum. Rum. Rum was actually, um, now, now this, is, this is a very little heard story. Yeah, very little. My first introduction to alcohol was rum, specifically Bacardi. Bacardi rum. Oh, At my brother's wedding, I was eight. And I loved it. <laughs> Eight. Sorry, did you say eight? 
Oh, eight. Eight. Well, we start eight. young in New Zealand. Because <laughs> right. um, I, I, I like to drink. It's part of it's part of the school lunch. <laughs> <laughs> like it's box of rum, like Bacardi. You, you guys got milk. We got a little bottle of Bacardi each. Mate, they have they have distilling school for primary school in, in New Zealand. You know, it's it's just it's, where do you think it all starts? <laughs> so, so in response, Larry, to Ellie, thank you so much for your question, Ellie. Yeah, so um, yeah, one of my favourite yes. spirits to drink was in fact Bacardi. Uh, I picked it up as a I picked it up as a kid. But as yeah. a as you probably all appreciate, gentlemen, as you get older, your, your taste does change. Um, and so I've got a fairly extensive bourbon collection, and um, I've got a lot of scotch. Scotch whiskey, so I was, I was very much a rum drinking, bourbon drinking, whiskey drinking consumer, uh, long before I actually drank gin for pleasure. In fact, I was making it at an industrial scale before I actually drank gin for pleasure. So they they were the they were the three the three spirits I really enjoyed. I had the opportunity to to make some rum in different places. Uh, so uh, yeah, so to your question, crafty, I I reckon I reckon there's something in that. Uh, I I. I, I, I and I'll tell you why. And this is it's not so much now. Read it as you like. A country to a certain extent is defined by Bundaberg, right? Right. <laughs> it's defined by. And. Well, should it? But, and it shouldn't be, is my view. Perfect. Right. That's the answer <laughs> I want. Right. Okay. Is Bundaberg a sponsor? No, not yet. Perfect. <laughs> there. <laughs> And so I think the fact that there's a lot of, lots of creative people that want to make rum in this country is tremendous. We've got, across all of our spirits categories, we've got great water, we've got great botanicals, we've got great people, we've got great machinery, we've got great climate. What a great opportunity right now to get on top of the craft spirits wave of interest and start, you know, coming up with rum, an Australian rum, another one, or whatever it is. I don't know what, I don't know what concept to use it, but... You know, it's this. It's just a matter of time, surely, before we come up with something else that 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 falls in the same, uh, follows the same journey that we're going through with Australian whiskey and Australian gin and and the like. And I, yeah, I think I think that's great. The other, the other interesting thing that's coming up, crafty, just keep an eye on, is agave spirits. I think. Oh, yes. oh what is that? Agave spirits. Oh, agave. Yeah, like absolutely. So tequila. Problem is, a bit like rum, I've had my tequila nights and they were all <laughs> woeful. So you know what I don't want to do is drink some more agave spirit. However, you haven't had black snake yet. I haven't. But you know what happened last time I drank tequila? I passed out in a root. <laughs> we'll come back to that later. <laughs> we'll Ruth, come back to that. That explains a lot, John. That explains <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Yeah, so agave is something that I've become really quite interested in since um, learning about and talking to Black Snake Distillery, um, uh, Rosemary and Stephen, who are Australian agave spirit uh, producers. Have you had them on Shoot the Shoot? We yeah. have. Yes, we have. Yeah. Yes, yeah, right. You yeah, okay. Go back to the back catalogue and you'll oh, find yeah. it there. It was, it was great. Yeah. It was great. So yeah. much fucking effort in agave. Oh, oh, like, yeah. You've got yeah. your, your meal, your barley, your, your, 
you pour your bag of barley into your mill and the thing does its thing and you get your grist at the end of the day and you put it in. No, no, no. There's Stephen hacking away at agave to get this big thing yeah, yeah. then cooks that he then it 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 is so much effort i just i'm not going to discredit the effort that goes into agave spirit but i think you don't do it justice when you're talking about barley things and like hacking things <laughs> it's and just it's things. just like, not as much i think maybe okay. somebody with like a little bit more like uh uh, knowledge of the exact <laughs> describe this because you're just here like fucking swinging your fucking arms you just, around. You just, you just chuck yeah. the bag in. Yeah, you chuck the bag in, right? Like, yeah. how much it's production you done? Fuck all. Yeah, right. Anyway, so crafty. <laughs> how's garbage spirit made? Or Todd? Either of you? Someone? Garbage spirit. So, I leave it to Todd. You, you blew agave. You cut back all of the the the, the um leaves off it to get your peanut and then you roast your peanut not peanut peanut <laughs> your peanut peanut, peanut. yeah you know, one thing a salute shortly mate a little wee peanut that's all you get <laughs> all right sorry all right sorry marcel can you please tell us how agave spirit is made because clearly no one else here is capable oh you... uh, i'll just say it's brutal to make it brutal. Batman captured it. Yeah, I love it. It's brutal, and seeing... and this is why he's a mastermind. Absolutely. And you're just a. What's your title? I don't have a title. Oh, oh. it's it's okay. um it's it's a really brutal thing to make. The pinyas are about sixty kilo, so you've yeah, got these thanks. wonderful plants. Get the leaves off those. You harvest this big thing that's about 60 kilos you chop it up into quarters you throw it on the back of a truck and you sling it underground on fire for about three days and you pull it out of the fire and then you cook it up a bit and end up with a sugary liquid and there's a um and as as william's saying you get the agave sap on you and it's like getting set on fire uh, uh, it right. is brutal yeah, apparently it's. I mean, I've been set on fire, but no. Well, we have Was that on the roof. <laughs> no, what? No, that's sorry altogether. <laughs> no, just we'll move on. I um. Anyway, this is a story for after the streams we'll, ended. We'll move on. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Can I can I uh, ask a can like, I ask so, a question? Yeah, go for it. Technical question. One more. Um, All right. So neutral, neutral spirit. Um, my the way I it was explained to me in the early days was uh, when you make gin, uh, neutral is your your canvas, and your botanicals are your paints, and that's how you how you create the art. But when you taste cane spirit, grape spirit, grain spirit, they're all different, and they all yep. contribute flavors. Yes, they do. So from your from your your experience, how would you explain the difference in in, in cane grape and, and uh, cane grape and grain? Yeah, it's um because yeah, they're all they're all essentially described as being neutral, right? So yep. essentially, by by and large, bereft of taste and flavour is is what they're. But there are characteristics within the raw materials which cannot be denied. 
you just can't and you end up with you they do have a character depending upon the the base material that's used to make them classic example is um waste spirit in new zealand uh it's a byproduct of the dairy industry and it does have a creamy mouthfeel to it all right it's neutral but it does have a creaminess to it and so consequently a lot of the the characteristics within um, spirits, depending upon the raw materials that's used to make them, um, are often reflected in different characteristics around around texture and flavour and finish. More often than not, um, so, so it can be quite difficult to to describe um, what some of these things are. But over time, you can start posing some questions when you first get presented with a neutral spirit. What's this actually made of? Now, why does it have this characteristic to it? And it's just a byproduct of, of the raw materials. In the same fashion, and, and in a lot of ways, um, water from different sources has different characteristics as well. Even though, to all intents and purposes, water is water. Well, water from South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, Tasmania, and WA is all different. <laughs> Even though it's all called water. As in theory, well, it is water. Well, well, well water, water is probably the best water that you can get, though. <laughs> Outside of New Zealand. All right, you've earned it. You've earned it tonight, Luke. I, I, I think Adrian will be pleased with those plugs. Um, I'm, I'm really professionally is, is mind blowing. It's so okay. professional. Sponsors are getting value for money. Absolutely. There's a, there's, a, there's a wonderful remark. I don't know if you guys saw it. That, that just came from 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 Ellie ears, and 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 it, it was a um. It actually came find from, yeah, find your sugar. It was it was this wonderful phrase that Ali came up with during a podcast I did with uh, did with Ali and Nick uh, back in early 2021. 20, I, I, Episode one of season four. Episode one, season four. Thank you very much. That's right. And it was this whole idea of find your sugar. And what was wonderful about that, this is something Ali came up with, is that in a lot of ways that actually – is the essence of what the differences are in neutral spirits because the nature of the sugars that are in the sugary liquid that get fermented plays into the overall characteristic you get from your neutral sugar uh, so from your neutral spirit and uh yeah and they are all slightly different even though in theory chemically it's just sugar a simple sugar that gets fermented as part of a sugary liquid um, produces a wash at i don't know six to eight percent then it goes through a couple of stills Pops out that well, actually, in the case of neutral spirit, it gets pretty well hammered and all sorts of stuff as well on the way through, with big columns or whatever. But yeah, they, those characteristics are inherent um, and uh, they they will not be denied, even though they are characteristically neutral. So, and um, do you do you have a preference? Do you have a preference of barley, cane, uh, whatever yeah. other? base is there something that really that you prefer or does it depend on the type of gin and botanicals and, and what you're trying to put together yeah 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 it does i, I think i think mm -hmm. you I think you've nailed it there crafty i think it's not so much the 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 blank canvas on its own it's the color of the canvas as well <laughs> yeah is, right. it, is it absolutely white or is it sort of off-white or is it kind of cream or is it whatever the case may be and so that the botanicals and the color they bring to the canvas expresses the same image in different ways and and i think there's there, there is a little bit of that um so but but each of the each of the neutral spirits does have a lot of characteristics i mean 
Um, neutral spirit made from grapes, for example, has amazing characteristics. Yeah. As as neutral spirit made from from beets, and yeah, they're, they're all a little bit different. So I like your analogy, Crafty, about this idea of the canvas and, and the colours and the neutral background, if you like. And it doesn't necessarily be absolutely plain white, right? It can be totally off white or a little bit cream, whatever the case may be. And so yeah, and that that'll give you the um, that'll give you the sort of overall finish that you're looking for on the product. And in the case of a piece of artwork, yeah, that canvas can provide the contrast between all the various colours that you're actually looking to apply to it as well. So mm. I think it's uh, yeah. So I think it's it's not a choice based on based on the natural neutral spirit in, in isolation. I think it's it's one item in a in a symphony of different uh, different instruments, if you like, coming together. Mm. So with like the the, uh, the added um, descriptors of yeah the, the canvas and the art piece, so I like that, Marcel. I like how you've explained that. That's great, guys. Okay. Hang on, uh, Luke. Guys, I've got a bug because I'm in Blacktown and I've got a two and a half hour drive. I've got to get to my shed. I've got to load my still to preheat so I can. Uh, start brewing tomorrow so unfortunately i got to cut cut and run but uh Sorry, why don't you just go and have a nice sleep in your own bed for the night and yeah. then at, i'll wake you up at five in the morning and, we'll, uh, and you can I, gotta, I gotta push i gotta push so the john and luke show will run <laughs> the phones Absolutely. are ringing we are raising how much money, John? Well, this this telethon, and, and are we going uh, twenty four hours? We're, we're donating uh, five dollars per viewer, at, <laughs> you know, at close, uh, which will be going directly to. Thank fuck, we don't have many. Uh, why do you get it per viewer? <laughs> uh, just it's just it's just tapped out at two thousand. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> and make I sure sponsored by Hope. Yeah, I was going to say, make make sure you do mention the sponsors tonight. That's that's the um, last. I, last no, I remember after you know, our sponsors. Hey? If I don't refill these and send them sponsors, sponsors, I will be sending you that sample pack. I said I would. So, Thanks, mate. Yeah, we will get awesome. some real whiskey. Trust me. <laughs> instead of this nonsense you send me. <laughs> well, the the clear stuff. I hate to tell you, that's not whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marcel, my friend, thank you very much. You're very welcome. And Crafty, have a have a wonderful have a wonderful birthday tomorrow too, my friend. It was wonderful to wonderful to catch with you this evening. Yeah, I've really enjoyed myself. And, um, but but just, like I'm out there, just because it's your birthday doesn't yeah. mean you can slack off. No, no, I gotta work tomorrow. I got a big day. I got a markets on Saturday. And uh, anyway, right. guys, gotta go. So happy Marcel, 30th birthday tomorrow, Crafty. All right, Love you thanks. a bit. Thanks. See you around, guys. Take it easy. <laughs> yeah. How do I turn it off, Luke? How do I turn it off? <laughs> I'll help you. Just, just, How can I help you? Oh. Close the window. Oh, dear. Oh, this dear. is what I work with on a regular basis. Wish that Vinny disappeared, mate. Oh, it's, 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 it's outstanding. What a, what a great experience. It's been, it's been <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're still going. I've got a ball. It's great. I love so, it. We've we got me and you, then we've got Marcel, then we've got like the Todd who looks like he's in the Matrix and like he's uh, flickering everywhere. <laughs> that's, so that's, I, because, that's because my technical guy is a bit slack and hasn't fixed my system yet. No, your internet's fucking shit yeah. and I only got involved last week. Anyway, Luke, did you have a question? Anyway, I had a question. So, sure. 
in the uh, in the whiskey world, there's a bit of controversy around uh, the source of the base spirit. I'm going to be controversial. Ooh, all right, I like it. It's gone before okay, I raise yes. this opinion. So, yeah, there's there's certainly controversy around where the base spirit comes from. Whether you whether you you make it yourself, you brew it yourself, you um, you ferment it yourself, and then you distill it. You have control of the whole process, or whether you bring that spirit. In. So can I just um say, like, are you talking from a gin point of view or a whiskey point of view? Uh, because, from, well, whiskey, well, no, so. no, actually, I, I, I go from, from, a, from a gin point of view to begin with, and so, then maybe so, we talk about a whiskey point of view. No, so it's just separately. So, yeah, because, so it works with gin, so you're neutral spirit. Whether you make it in-house or you, you you source it outside. But what if you made it in-house? Would it be better than buying it in, right? Anyway, this is where I'm anyway, going to get like, conflicted, right? Because yeah, we make everything here in-house, right? So I have no bias either way. I have mates that make amazing gin by buying in great spirit or neutral spirit. Mm -hmm. And I have friends who make whiskey by buying in neutral new make spirit, right? So mm -hmm. I just want to clarify. You're asking about whiskey or gin? So well, I, let's touch on Ultimately, gin, I want right? to know... I, I want to know both, but gin specifically, or gin to begin with. Do you think there's a difference in the in in the end product, in the uh, process, in the ownership of the product by brewing or bringing in spirit? Yeah, right. Let, let's have a look at that. I don't think it's a great question, but I think to a certain extent, it needs to be framed up slightly differently to, to yeah we've had way to too much hobart whiskey to frame things mate we're just getting started <laughs> so marcel frame it up how you like because it's obviously it's a fairly yeah. polarizing yeah. question that's just been asked it is yeah, it's cool. a very polarizing question i've and i've had enough alcohol to ask it so <laughs> that's right so so I, I tend to look at that that question in 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 two ways right so let's say, for example, um, there was an uh, interesting enough. I won't go with gin to start with. I like to go with whiskey to start with. Okay. Yep. So yep. let's say you've got a distillery, a whiskey distillery, and you've decided that uh, as part of your overall construction that you need a brew house, right? And there's an example of that in, in New Zealand right now. So they've decided they're going to make whiskey and they need a brew house, right? Nice one. So custom built distillery. Custom built brew house, fantastic. So they own the brew house, and so they produce all the all the, all the inputs go in there. They produce a sugary liquid. They throw your yeast at it. Give yourself your wash. A couple of stills, low wines, um, out out of your rectifying still into your barrels. Voila, right. So there's your own brew house. That sort of thing. Let's say that brew house decides, or the business decides that that brew house is now going to become independent still on the same site, still supplies the same company, right? So it's no different. Let's say, for example, that very same brew house is sort of relocate five kilometers off the road. It's still the same brew house. And so from my viewpoint, whether that stuff's made on your site or outside of your site, the actual process is no different. Right? Mm -hmm. um, the difference comes about with the way it's perceived in, a term, in terms of ownership. And that's interesting. 
But to my, to my way of thinking, it probably doesn't make a lot of difference, particularly if there's a strong partnership between whoever the brewer is, which if it's on your own site, that goes without saying. But even if it's not on your own site, then say it was the same brewer, went to a different site and started his own brew house. Mm. The relationships there really makes no difference. And yeah. I think from, from my viewpoint, I think it just, I think people, um, from my viewpoint, it's easy for me to say this, right? Because I'm, I'm not... Yeah, I don't think it's even about like ownership. So I know most Tasmanian distillers and like people, there's Tasmanian distilleries that make whiskey from wash that isn't produced on site. Mm -hmm. um, full disclosure, we do everything here, start to finish, right? We, I want to eventually do paddock to bottle. Not here, we don't have a fucking paddock here, but we have property where we can grow barley and we want to do paddock to bottle. But also I have a lot of uh, colleagues in the industry that go to brew houses and do the spec of the wash that they want to make whiskey, right? So where's that line between, you know, they they go there, they say, we want it to this spec with these ingredients. We want this mash beer. Mm. We want the spec. Where's, where's the line? Yeah. Yeah, no. in, in, in terms of ownership. I think it becomes, for me, I think it becomes more of a question when it is more of a question or more interesting <laughs> when it's the uh the gin side of things more than the whiskey side of things are we going to have a fight tonight like is that what's going to happen you're like, going to win yeah. <laughs> um so from I, gin point of view from, like, you're from, talking from, about a, from a gin point of view is a gin uh more about the botanicals and the process of the botanicals the, the, the type of botanicals, the process that you're using to, to infuse those botanicals more than the spirit itself. Whereas a whiskey, I think, okay, it, is, right, okay. is more about the spirit and then obviously the aging process of that spirit. Before Marcel jumps in, because it's a question for Marcel, like I want to hear from you, but I mean, I guess most gin producers I know mm -hmm. buy in a neutral spirit, right? Because mm -hmm. it's neutral, right? Theoretically, yeah. that should contribute very little to a gin. Mm -hmm. Again, full disclosure, we've done a couple of gins all in-house. We do all our gin, all our mm -hmm. neutral spirit in-house. So I have no bias either way. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, I think... A neutral spirit is meant to be neutral. So you're buying mm -hmm. a spirit because it's convenient. So you're buying the best possible neutral spirit. Right. Best. Or the most, oh, okay, okay, or the most neutral spirit okay. that you can get. I mean, because but... certainly I would imagine a commercial process. Quite fun to watch them, isn't it, Marcel? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess like neutral spirit, they're buying in what, like 96% spirit? Yeah, yeah, I, can... I haven't done it, right? Oh, I don't you, know you... the process, right? How... I mean, it's almost pure, almost pure ethanol. It's pure ethanol. So then right. it's okay. it's about. So then it's about the botanicals and the process of of um, of infusing those botanicals that creates the gin less than the spirit. Does that make sense? It does, it, or it does to me. Yeah. But I've been thinking as much as you. So yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, have to right. make a question. That well. <laughs> Well, there, there is a, I, I guess, so the original the original question that was posed was, is is it better, I guess, to do it in-house or... Better, better is probably the wrong way It was to, definitely the wrong word. It was the wrong word to use, I think, there, because, yes, um, yeah, whiskey aside, looking at the gin side, mm. 
where you are looking for that neutral spirit yeah. uh, to begin, and then it is for it is your canvas. Is it better to have a import of pure base spirit? I want to jump in, like I have to. Sorry, Marcel. Like I want you to answer are you this. To, are you trying to hang? This so comes down hang to myself. the story, right? This comes down to the yes. story and the marketing yeah. and the panic. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. What are you? What are you trying to create? What is mm -hmm. the gin? Like, what is your gin? Yep. You can anyone can make a London Dry. Is that mm -hmm. that's a gin, right? Like, but yeah, I mean that's that's my interpretation. Mm -hmm. All right, sorry. Anyway, myself. <laughs> um, I, I think I'm very passionate about this. There's something to be said around the way I spoke earlier about things called cash drivers a little bit earlier. And there is a, um, I guess what we're talking about is product, ultimately, as one of those cash drivers. Now, depending upon how many of these items you intend to sell and the characteristics of what you want to make in order to sell, the question around the supply of neutral alcohol plays into that, plays into the, the, the formulation development that you want to go through um, for the gin that you intend to, to make and ultimately sell. And it's quite possible, quite possible, but not always. It's quite possible that you could actually make what you want better than getting something in. Mm -hmm. And there's a really good example of that, right? Um, so, so, so Bass and Flinders, for example, make their own neutral spirit for their gin. And it's, yeah. it's derived from wine, okay? So they make their own neutral spirit. Now that plays into their narrative and their story, and it's a whole... Uh, and it's a whole interwoven kind of story around the reasoning yeah. behind using great spirit because it actually goes back to the heritage of the brand, the founders, mm -hmm. the location. They've got a gin called Maritime, which is a reflection of their location as well. Um, you know, Bass Straits over here and Matthew Flinders is in the area. So it plays into all that kind of thing. And, uh, and the founders were originally involved in wine. And so they made their own neutral spirit from wine. Okay, so that's so for them as part of their narrative, it makes sense to make their own, right? Um, now, a lot of gin makers don't make their own. Um, for example, they don't have access to wine must or fermentation, all those sorts of things, because they could be in urban areas, right? They just haven't got it. So, what are they going to do? Yeah. And so, consequently, a lot of different drivers will, will dictate what their decision around. The neutral spirit's going to be and mm. often pure pure commerce and economics will, will determine that buying spirit in is the best answer for your business all right and yeah. you know, I, I, my thought is a lot of it comes down to convenience so if you are planning on manipulating a spirit into be something quite different you know like botanicals right you're gonna fucking read the silly you're gonna mm -hmm. put flavor into it the base spirit really doesn't matter that much when you're talking 94, 96% ethanol. It's yeah, fucking nearly right. pure ethanol. Like, yeah. how different can ethanol be when mm -hmm. it's nearly 100%? Having said that, I think my gin's better because we make it from barley, right? Like, but yeah. that's a part of our, like Marcel said, that's narrative. Story. Like, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, harking back to a previous episode of Shooting the Shit, which you're currently watching, um, we had Sunny Hill Distillery that use wheat. Now they grow their own wheat to then create their spirit, which is their whiskey and their gin. 
Uh, that was episode 13 back in July 2021, just for those playing at home. Yeah, so, but, so that, play, that plays into the narrative, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And plays into the narrative. Narrative. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you could argue that it's detrimental from an economic point of view for mm -hmm. them to make their spirit from wheat, right? Yeah. But they obvious, obviously see value in marketing and, mm -hmm. and the narrative of it and the story to they create have a product. A farm, right. they can do Which, that, again, yes. sort of comes back to that whole thing. Like, if you don't know how to sell it and you don't know mm. what you're producing and how to put it out in front of people and tell them the story, it's fucking worthless. Mm. Them doing that, they might as well buy neutral spirit if they're not going to sell it properly, yeah. right? But I'm not saying that's the case here. I'm just mm. saying that's... um. My background is marketing, right? I see everything as numbers. <laughs> Everything's a fucking number. So, um, uh, sorry, I think I dropped like three f bombs in like one sentence. So you haven't come close uh, to the record. You okay, so have not got anywhere near the record. Is is no. fine. I can. I mean, I'm only warming up. This is me, like getting like you know, getting happy. Um, but I do think, as Marcel touched on earlier, it's about like the aviation gym. It's a marketing, it's a story, it's a skill. Yeah. If you can sell something to somebody mm -hmm. to get a reaction, and that's all you want, you want a reaction, then it's going to work. Yeah. Um, so then it becomes a, yeah, as, as an economic decision, it's about the price point, it's about the cost of that neutral spirit. Right. It's about whether you can produce your spirit at the cost that is going to be feasible for the consumer at the end of the day. Yeah, because your yeah. question, I think, was, does it make a better product? Arguably, the better product doesn't always win. No, right? no, doesn't. People make amazing products every day. Yes. And they sink like the Titanic because whatever reason, might not be proper this, that, X, Y, Z, whatever, mm. right? Um, yeah, it's... I could talk about this for hours. How long have we got? Like, well, we've act we're actually at the two-hour mark. We are pushing the um, we're 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 pushing the record. What was the record for Ben Osborne? Uh, it's was about two hours and fifteen, somewhere there. Okay. I can probably tell you. So, like, I mean, look, we can we can push on for a little bit longer and break yeah, but the record. I mean, I'm happy to be a record setter. I mean, I think it's on Marcel. Marcel, can you tell us a story? Like, do you have something you want to say to the viewership, to people that will see this tomorrow and tune in for 15 minutes and be like, fuck this. Like, I'm not going to watch this. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What's the one, what's the one question I wish we asked you? Yeah. Did you, but, like, you know, you are, as uh, you touched on earlier, like, Marcel, you're fucking. You've done well. You've released books. Your uh, mastermind is that the word we use? The mastermind. Gin, mastermind of gin, right? Do you have some advice or some information or some some something you want to pass on <laughs> to the uh, people? But you know something different to the books. You know, well, give us some value in uh, shooting the shit. You, the you the there is no value in shooting. You you have the floor. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> Just a few minutes. I look. We're in a we're in a wonderful time to be in craft spirits. There's, there's absolutely no question about it. Uh, sure, there's some there's some challenges around uh, from a legislative viewpoint, and also just our geography. I mean, it's a big country, so shifting stuff from Sydney to Perth and back again, it's expensive, right? It's hard, mm. and we all know that. 
We also get subjected to things like droughts and bloody bushfires and floods. And, and despite that, we're, we're pretty resilient. And that's just the first week of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's absolutely amazing. So, um, but I think in a lot of ways, to me, what's really exciting about, about this industry is the number of different people that are actually coming into it. So the way I, why I look at it is like, see, I'm, I'm unusual in so far as being a distiller was my first job, right? So the distilling problem I would tend to solve as a distiller would solve that problem. You know, this whole idea of uh, make a pot, make enough of a product that you intend to sell in such a fashion that people become repeat customers. So I would solve that problem like a distiller. What we're finding now is that there are people um, from different different walks of life with different career and life experiences who are solving exactly the same problem, but they're solving it differently. Yeah. And that's what's really, really good because people look at the same problem. When they look at the same problem differently, they come up with really unique and interesting ways to solve that problem. And so what that means is, as a consequence of a lot of the collaboration that's taking place within the industry as a whole, and it's been a, been a wonderful thing to witness, more so than when I was... First learning because all secret door knocks and handshakes and all that kind of thing. And on pain of death, did you ever reveal any formulations, which I still haven't done, right? I just, no, I just won't. But um, what that means is that because of all of that, we are producing some absolutely outstanding world-class spirits because of the fact that this industry is so, is so buoyant and, and everyone's working together. And, and that's wonderful. But we need a bit of, we need a bit of help, I think, in terms of getting that export stuff happening as well. Um, now, so, so in terms of how I would frame doing this stuff, to me, there's a there's a framework which is used in every Hollywood blockbuster that was ever made, and it's actually called The Hero's Journey. It's put together by a guy named Joseph Campbell. And every single distiller that starts off where they are today goes through this whole thing of The Hero's Journey. And it's, it's a really strange thing, but every Hollywood blockbuster goes the same way. So every day, every day, every day, I used to do the same thing. Then one day, something happened. I thought, I need to go and do something else. I'll go and find a few of me mates. It's a fellowship of the ring. It's Star Wars. It's just about any adventure you can think of all starts off the same way. So then some hero goes off some mighty great quest, right? And then they meet a whole swag of different challenges along the way. And in, in, in Australia in recent times, it's drought, bushfire, flood, pandemic, another bunch of freaking floods again. Um, and yet, despite that, people still, still find their way through it. And it's, it, it's just kind of part of it, part of that narrative. But what gets me is just, the, just how incredibly, um, I know the word gets used a lot, resilient people really are in this country. I knew you were going to say resilient, right? Yeah. Because it is the only word you can pick for that exact moment. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think I think now's a really, really amazing time to get involved if you aren't already involved in the spirits industry. Because one of the first things everyone or to a T I've ever come across who's decided to start cannot get over how welcoming and friendly and collaborative mm -hmm. and helpful people are because yeah. everybody wants yeah. you to succeed. I've not come across any distiller anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I haven't. That, that actively thinks, oh, we don't want them to be, you know, that, 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 that's actively against somebody wanting to get started. Mm. And I think that's great. So those people who, who haven't started yet, it's a big jump and it's it's a bit of a leap of faith. Um, and uh, get some structured learning under, under your belt. So IBD, the Distillers Institute, WSCT, anything else you can find. 
Um, way too podcast, many things. All that kind of thing. But the whole key is around structured learning, I think, getting that research in there as well. Um, joining associations and the like, and certainly again, tuning into um, offerings like this, which are, which are inexpensive. If you've got a few hours to spare, you can probably learn a few things like Bill along the way. Um, and no, people are not going to learn a damn thing from this <laughs> um, but, uh, but I do agree with everything you're saying I know we, when we entered the industry I remember I, I was going to have Bill Lark and Mark Nicholson come into the distillery here it was like years and years and years ago Like I was so fucking like, rattled by this concept of having the godfather of whiskey and Mark Nicholson, Nicholson come in they walked in, they sat on a cask and they were like fucking just chatting about fishing. Like, where's the fucking whiskey? You know, like it's just. But the whole industry, we're all good mates. We all get along. There's no competitive edge because there's enough market for all of us. There's a market for every single person Indeed. out there, right? Um, I'm not going to tell you how I make my gin and my recipe. You know what? Because you probably don't want to know. But it's still, if somebody rings me, messages me, and ha- mm. like, that's the industry as a whole. We all work together because mm. collectively we want to make Australian whiskey and Australian gin and Australian spirits strong in a global space. It's not just um, selling to our neighbours and, you know, mm. probably like you do, but, you know, it's just... Uh, sorry, I've got to stop shooting the shit. Um you're absolutely right, though. I'd love to see so many meeple, so, meeple, so many more people <laughs> join meeple. 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 meeple in the industry. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, meeple. Yeah. Meeple in the industry. <laughs> it, it, look, it, it's, it, it's amazing to me because, I mean, you know, I mean, there's very few people that are still, still involved in the industry who started distilling in, you know, the 1980s with crying out loud. Good grief, who did mm. that? Let alone sort of do stuff that the century as well, with essentially the same art, um, which has in a lot of ways hasn't really changed. Um, but I guess what I've seen that's really heartening is the, the, the level of transparency and this the, the daring do. This is the thing that Australians have got. I had to introduce that word to, to folks in America when I, I had it up on a slide. I said, no, it's all about daring do, and all looking at you know, each other trying to the, <laughs> get the phones up. What the hell's daring do? So I had to um, had to put it the next day. I said, oh, look, there's a few few strange terms I used yesterday, so I thought I'll give them a bit of an explanation about it. And then, oh, <laughs> like um, being gung ho. Oh, I suppose it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, I suppose it is. Um, but but that's that's the, the this amazing optimism that that people have have in this country to you know I'll give it a fair old crack. Right. This yeah. industry, you give it a fair old crack, and no one yeah. will let you fall. <laughs> but you know what? I feel like this is the uh, the culture behind. Like your mates are going to fucking support you no matter what, right? Yeah. So you've always got that safety net, and then the your, the mates of your mates, you're going to get fifty percent of them. So it goes wider and wider, and eventually, it can't be that bad. You know, you should give it a crack because if you make a shit product. Your mates might be honest, but your mates' mates are going to be honest, and your mates' mates' mates are going to be really fucking honest. And very quickly, you're going to realize you've got a shit product. So, um, you're going to step up again. Yeah, but it's still, you've got all these opportunities to go wider and wider before people actually tell you you've got a shit product. By that point, you, you know. Well, then you're invested. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm saying don't go that deep. Like, <laughs> I've, I've actually anyway, we, it, um, we are. 
we are now well past the uh, the two hour mark. Thank right. you so much, Marcel. For you just had a bit of um, gold he was about to share then, and you can't. Oh, 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 oh shit! Oh, Here we go. Hang on. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a floor. Yeah. yeah. Look, um, remarkably, there are a lot of similarities between uh, writing and publishing a book as there is to developing and releasing a new product, right? And the way I've described it, and this was, and you'd think after you've released one book, you'd be okay with the second time around, but you don't. And I'm, there's always a sense of, um, no, whatever that sense is before you release a new product. So a mixture of anxiety and excitement. And, of what if they don't like it sort of thing? There's a bit of that. And the way I've actually described it is it's on a par with standing naked in public on a weighing machine. Covering one of the regions. Yeah. That is exactly what it's like. Every single vulnerability you can think of comes yeah. to the fore. And once you think of that image and think, what's the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> oh, shit. We just had a major technical hitch from our end, I think. <laughs> You're like. Know. You're like, you can't remember, can you? Because I, I can't remember it. either. You're like, you're about to give us some gospel and then like everything froze. Oh, that's all right. The rest of us got it. So, you're just have to watch it. <laughs> all right. Well, we're, we're just going to we'll watch back it back. We'll, that's we'll, all right. We'll, yeah. we'll well, thank you very much for tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yes. I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, Todd. It's no, lovely to meet you. When Where you're should we? So certainly we've got the. Do you have any sponsors uh, to show? We'll get to that definitely. But first of all, Marcel. So we've got stillmagic.net, which is where you go for all the links of all the things. I just need to stick up that particular. Oh, uh, fuck off! I mean, uh, hey, yeah, fuck off, Todd. Very few people give me good feedback, so thank you very much. <laughs> You know why? Because you're shit. Oh. <laughs> so what, what was so this, this magic. industry that we were talking about earlier? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it all supportive. comes from the heart, right? You know, it's we all love each other. We've got a slink shit. That's Kelsey <laughs> White. New Zealanders wouldn't get it. It's very supportive. It's very supportive. Yeah. So yeah, really, thanks very much for your support. It's very much appreciated. <laughs> lovely to meet you tonight. I um, when you're in Hobart, I'd love to swing by and uh, have a couple of drams like we have tonight. It's uh, it's a pretty tame enterprise here, so you should come you, and make you, it up. You got yourself a deal. I'm well and truly overdue for a visit to Hobart. I've been to Tasmania yes. in over three years with all the travel. We're oh, oh, like five minutes from the city. It's I would almost so drive down there and get you. Not tonight. <laughs> I was I was surprised how quick the Uber took. Um, so we've got Still Magic. That is obviously the best place to go to get all your bits and pieces, links to the books, links to Amazon, links to the audio book, which I'm definitely going to listen to. Uh, anything else we should plug for you? The um, podcast. Yeah, so, if it, so, so essentially, um, the, the really easy way is if you just type Still Magic into your Google search, machine the google pages go a bit bananas and so links to everything just pop up wait can we can we hear that again sorry what do we search for in google so you search for still magic just like it s-t-i-l-l-m-a-g-i-c oh, just like that 
And all the links to my books and the podcast and the audio book and every other bit of... See, it's like a, shop, a shopping channel. This is why you get sponsors. <laughs> like, I see it now. I understand. So... <laughs> There's value in it. It works. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, now, absolutely. before... Oh, hang on, we've got one more. On. Before we do anything so, else... Thank you again, Marcel. Hang on, we've got to do it. Just do it. Before, before we go, we do need to uh, flash up our... Oh, fuck. Did I press it? You did. It I did. Took a while. I did. Yeah. We're here? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Oh, you okay. Okay. So... so Thank would you, you like for... me to do the voiceover, gentlemen? Oh, oh please. Oh, yes. Fuck yes. This episode of Shooting the Shit brought to you proud from our proud sponsors Barrel Brokers, Burns Welding Fabrication, CCL, Saver Glass, Transwood, and Wild Wogan Natural Spring Water. Right here on Shooting the Shit. Oh, oh beautiful. That was sexy as. I think you've got to snip that out for your next uh, screen you put up. I am. And uh, we we did miss one because they don't actually have their name on their logo, which is uh, YNO Cooperage, Andrew Young. Um, their tagline is, don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> can, can we hear that from us? Don't call us, we'll, we'll call you. Surprising, the same as Transwood. Same as Transwood, yeah. yeah. They, they share a marketing plug, absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, that's, thanks that's very a, much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Marcel, for a fantastic yeah. two hours. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed it, and we're going to be chatting more. And just point out that I think you may now have the record. Uh, yes. According to William, the record is now broken. <laughs> uh, brilliant. I like that. I love a record-breaking episode. That's great. Fantastic. Gentlemen, <laughs> Like that episode with all his songs, yeah, it was just like Crafty come on, he talked all his shit. Marcel was talking about something, I don't know. If you take Crafty's bit out, you're 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 about (laughs) um, but anyway, we probably need to kill it, right? So, yes, we Marcel, thank you, Todd, thank you for joining Luke and John tonight. Uh, yeah, see what <laughs> thanks, for all the, thanks for all the people who tuned in tonight as well. It's been thoroughly enjoyable from my viewpoint. And uh, great to meet you, fellas. And we look forward to more episodes of Shooting the Shit. Let's do it. Wonderful. Thank we'll you there. very all much. Right. Please like and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, dear.